Welcome, welcome, welcome to my lovely IHP community. We have some lovely tarot reading, channeled guidance. When I use tarot, you can consider it channeled guidance since the cards are still a medium of communication. Symbolism, numerology, what comes through. And I am sipping at my coffee while I talk to you, so give me a second. Those of you who are potentially skeptics or enemies, you don't necessarily believe that is a okay, of course, because I mean, it is cards and it is energy. Like with Reiki, people don't believe in energy therapy, and that's okay too. But if you're tuning in, obviously you're curious about something, and we are going to discuss our topic relationships, healing trauma. So the tarot supports me to support those who are in the 5D plane, and so human love narrative, individuals who know that we don't need to have to suffer, some do, and that's because they don't have a window of welcome to emotions, sometimes there's an emotional disconnect from their body since their first year of life did not provide them with secure attachment, and that's where we're going to start one with our lovely Daniel Siegel from uh, my Mindsight course. This is from Disorganized Attachment and Dissociative Identity Disorder. So he is sharing some final words, and he says, as the Dalai Lama says, we can approach life with laughter and love, not in spite of all the suffering, but actually because of it, that we have a kind of responsibility to bring joy into the world. And... I totally agree. I know what it's like because ever since I can remember, I love bringing joy and love into the world. And no matter how many times I've been shared that there's something wrong with you, you're hiding trauma, fake smiles. I mean, I've been told it to fit my face, which is nice. I like when people have the guts to say what they think. But, you know, it's even better when you have people who don't need guts because they understand that we have a subjective life experience. So they have the wisdom of their body and mind because they have meta-awareness. And they're smart intellectually, emotionally, and physically to know I don't experience life the same as everybody else. I can give the gist of it generalized, but I am not you. And so that's called actually one, your humanity being able to be present. Now, if in your body you have implicit bias, if you get to harness that one and move into complete unconditional love because it means nothing to you, meaning if somebody has a very different way than you, you don't get bothered by it. So you go into living Dharma. The spirituality process, when you hear Sadhguru describing it, anything I've heard even some of parables from Jesus, it's all about people becoming their functional adult, which is you in your prefrontal cortex and not leading with your inner child, which is an adaptive child, which are charges. And then for others, we have big trauma. And the big trauma is where if we have abuse and or emotional neglect and or both, we have a brain, a human being who did not get one, the body is not safe. The brain also was done a disservice because it was compromised in its growth because the first year of life, only your right brain mode is online, but there's good therapists like Dr. Daniel Siegel and DID as well as disorganized attachment is healable. You are not fixed as a self, your verb. As he shares, 
Now, the people who are ancient silverbacks don't believe it, and 4D talks about inner demons and people being monsters and energy vampires and spiritual warfare. And they quote Dalai Lama as well. And some intellectuals twist data in a certain way. I saw this interview, and it made me think it's statistics about my intellect because I'm able to connect the dots just the way you all hear it. I also noticed it as, as Daniel Siegel described the world as being a disorganized attachment, basically family, because no, there are memory barriers, there are consciousness barriers because we're not one globe. And, you know, recently I also saw this, uh, this uh, environmental guy, he was presenting uh, that New York Times talked about the failure of globalization due to free market and da-da-da, which I actually wasn't surprised to see because I know where we're headed. But I was humored by the fact that he said something along, the, something along the lines as, oh, if it's being shared on there, it must be, you know, like it's a big deal. As if these newspapers hide things from us. So others will say things like, yeah, it just took us 40 years. So for some people, it's common sense and uh, something that should have been understood prior. What they don't understand is that we don't have all of those people in the seats that are called governments. I know it's sad. They are not emotionally mature. So when you have a teenager, because that's what an adaptive child is, at the very best, it's the teenage version of a person who maintains their childhood. It doesn't have to be trauma story or personality, but they basically, I mean, I see the doer, I see the darkness, I see the ghost, I see the, uh, what is it called, uh, are we good, and the hostile. And so these are childhood trauma personalities from Patrick Tiahan's video, and I see all of them out there in the world. So I learned from my lovely teacher, Sue Martin, who's a therapist as well, and however many degrees and titles she has, I don't remember, but on Somatopia, my basic trauma course with Dr. Albert Wong and his equipe, and Sue Martin was one of them. And as she shared, the charge states, she says, most people are their teenage version. And then the children are left behind. So it's an orphanage with an asshole teenager. And I did meet teenagers because I was one of them. In fact, I'll share a story in a minute. But I use the word asshole whenever I see a lack of compassion, which means a lack of functional adults. So if you don't know how to be joyful, kind, then to me, you're pretty much an asshole. But I learned that most people are led by their teenager because they have human suffering and charges that they don't understand. Then they choose as teenagers the human suffering land because that makes them look like all the crowd, although they want to say, I'm not part of the crowd. But then they all go and do and say the same things. So you see people like grown-ups, like parrots, and we see the polarized sides. When you find a smart person, you'll see they won't be polarized because they will be equanimous, even without sad guru. They won't need yoga. Maybe they will, but it doesn't matter. They're not a book. that They're like, oh, here I am. Look at me. Look at my definition. Okay, so when you find a person who highlights that they know exactly how everything works, you know you have a teenager. Or not knowing nothing, that doesn't work either because if you don't know anything or you know everything, you really are just giving up, which is probably the 11, 12-year-old of you who's like, I don't mean anything because that's that charge state. And I know that 11, 12-year-old, because I have an 11, 12-year-old too. In fact, I'll never forget one of my, uh, it wasn't a consciousness dream. This time it was a dream for me. In fact, I remember waking up. I was like, you know what? I think that one is mine because of my 
person in the dream, my, me. I was in the dream and I saw myself and then I saw the other people in my dream. And it made sense that they were the ones that were with my 11, 12 year old because these are smart, expanding consciousness pieces of people. So they're beautiful. All people are beautiful. But when you meet individuals who are differentiated selves, they accept who they are as they are, thoughts, feelings, and then they share that with the world. And you get to be accepted as you are, thoughts and feelings, and you get accepted, so you get to share. That's sharing joy right here. Neither nor any of us actually work to love each other. No, we accept each other lovingly as we are, and we share our basic emotions and any of our thoughts and feelings, however the fuck we want. And nobody actually has anything to say about it because we're just present, enjoying each other's company without any demand. No secure attachment demand. Basically, we don't need each other's thumbs up because we're pieces of life. Again, Purusha Prakriti. We are taking ownership of our thoughts and our emotions. So that nervous system and that embodied brain, any emotion that comes up doesn't taint the mouth of a person and it doesn't taint the mouth of another person. So they know how to do, I'm a differentiated self. And that means I'm me, Maria's another person and vice versa. And we create a we. So if we dream about each other, if we, you know, think about each other, it's always in an expanding consciousness way because we actually simply put, don't work to keep a relationship because none of us are children saying, please approve of me, please approve of me. If you don't approve of me, I'm not going to be. And, you know, that's where when those people are in the room, any person who is expanding consciousness will, of course, cater to the children in a way that will be able to navigate until those demands become something that impede on self-expression so a person who has expanding consciousness is self-loving automatically they know they have flaws and imperfections they're no longer and or ever have been depends on the journey they did ashamed they don't need the 4d mystics to tell them how to eat how to drink how to do magic not magic like they don't look to others to be dictated because they have a sense of safety and security within their own body and mind, within their divine feminine and their divine masculine. And then through their masculine, the left mode, and through their feminine, the right mode, they have a chit-chatter. And if they're great with that meta-awareness and they do inner growth and they choose compassion, joy, love, understanding, equanimity, neutrality, then they're going to be able to harness that neuroplastic agent of imagination and to have chit-chats that continue to expand them and help bilateral integration and, at a certain point, integration of the brain. Now, if, on the other hand, they have bilateral non-integration and there are aspects of small trauma, big trauma, that they don't notice they're ruminating, and so rumination causes a biochemistry of fear, and it causes you to be in a very, very low energy state. And in fact, your nervous system goes from basically being online to being, I'm going to say offline, although I don't think that's the accurate term because the biochemistry of fear is created because you are participating actively with your mind. When you're ruminating, it's in your temporal junction. So you are basically going to your insula lights up, amygdala, when your brain's being used uh, to get to state of compassion, what they see lights up. And when we get to temporal junction, this is where the past, you relate to the present with the past in mind. So you're like, oh, this happened already. Here's where your inner child can lead the way, charges. So if you ignore 
that sensations, images, meanings, affects, and behaviors affect what you are experiencing. You're ignoring part of your journey. And since people don't get psych educated about being a human, I do, and I share that with you in our guidance, they don't know what rumination is. So when I see a human being who is coming to loved ones just to chit chat, I can tell if they're doing one rumination and they want to do basically the storytelling and ruminate. So they are not going to stay online as they do that, meaning their inner child is going to start leading the way. And what that is, is basically structural dissociation is what I term it. I don't know if there's different degrees, but I do know it's structural dissociation because we have the charge coming forth and the prefrontal cortex, they don't move into it. So they're not online and what can I do and what can I not do? And actually, when you present to a person a conversation as they're trying to go to that land, there's two ways that this goes. One, they try not to go there because they really, really are used to wanting to basically ruminate and tell the story like a teenager. I remember my teenage friends and I would just say, you know, at a certain point when they'd start insulting somebody really and saying they don't deserve love and eh, I'd be like, you're really upset. I think that that's not necessary. And that's because in my corner, I got raised with Jesus and I learned easily because of right here, wanting to present joy to the world and not because of it being a responsibility. Actually, I chose to bring love to the world because I noticed teenagers didn't know how to love and adults still don't because they don't have, if they don't have secure attachment, if they do, then that's different. And here's another part from Daniel Siegel that I want to share. This is for those of you who are established in a state of physiological compassion. So when you're with people that do temporal junction, you're not upset at them. They don't bore you. I've never been bored by any of my friends and any of my loved ones. I can get into my Kali mode and I've learned thanks to my loved ones how to back off and leave them alone because it's their life, not mine. And I have also learned how to harness myself and say, I don't agree with this line of talking about people because this is the part I share with you my time. So do you, we're giving each other something, but do not have me agree Meaning, I won't sit in silence, because silence means agreement. This is one of those things you learn as a teenager, and I'm like, I don't agree with a person not deserving love. So I want to be here for you emotionally, but I'm not going to want to nod to your story. Not to mention, I don't think it's true. I think you're upset, and you're exaggerating, and you're not learning how to be a grown-up, or basically have emotional maturity. And you call a person that is emotionally mature, emotionless, or that you don't love like the polyamory journey, because we love more than one person, romantically, sexually, it doesn't matter. Point is, we love more than one person. There are those who say, you must have been traumatized. You don't know love. Now, can we say that breakups are beautiful? No, no, they're not. But those who know self-love are not going to be like, oh, let me highlight how many golden stars I got on my heart right now because I had the elephant on the chest experience. And oh, that's such an asshole. No. No, 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 not a teenager with meta-awareness, that's for sure. Okay, so we're, we're going to talk about this one because, see, again, those who want to ruminate, and I, don't, I shouldn't say want to, but I, I have an awareness. There's human suffering love narrative people, the lower toroidal field people. There's human love narrative people, the higher toroidal, the higher toroidal people. I believe in the infinite potential of every human being's brain. I've seen as a 43-year-old person, and I don't know when this one's going out, but eventually, soon to be 44, 
I have seen not the entire globe, so I don't know anything about 8 billion plus, but I see the mass media, I see documentaries, I see the movies, everything that I notice online and anywhere, they pretty much the majority, except for the good 5D educators, uh, they have this thing that they do, which is, oh, let's highlight how painful it is before you get here. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a teenager in the room because obviously you must be proving to yourself that you can do it. No, wait a minute, I'm a human too. I know what it's like to have a nervous system that is upset and the amygdala alert, 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 and the description of Tara Brock when those waves put you left and right. No, I also know what it's like to have those waves because I was, again, a teenager, but... Mm, unlike the human suffering love people who want to accentuate it or they say didn't you remember teenage years it was not hard for me and yes did I have emotions but that's called being a person so to me I don't need to exaggerate the elephant on the room which is instead what all these other people seem to want to do no they have a one-year-old and then their three-year-old then they have so Zero one attached panicky, three to seven shame submissive, or two to seven. Then we have 11, 12 flight and, excuse me, freezes of all ages. And then fight 14, 15, 16. When you have joy and compassion in your heart, it's because you have what is called healthy self worth. And I'm not superior in fear. I got taught this by God. You're not superior in fear. I made you the way you want. I made you the way, excuse me, I want you to be. And then we got spirituality people who say, you decided, yeah, you know what? Both. Both equations are fair and square. I'm good with either one because I know all the people. So when you own your life, use your name. When you own your life, you have a heart that's open. You know when you're closing it. Any person that I've ever met tells me all about how they close their heart to love. And then they seek love. And I'm thinking, you do realize that's not going to, you know. So long story short, we have now the attachment people that are helping and the psychology people, the good ones. Uh, for couples that want to actually be vulnerable together. And so, you know, here's why polyamory, the solo poly secure journey is awesome because you know how to be your own safe haven, secure base. What does this mean? It means you have learned, I have learned in my years as I got older from when I was a teenager, because that's when you begin to experience heartbreak. No, as a child already uh, in the house, when kids didn't play with me, when you get angry, you have basic emotions for a reason. Some of us just don't taint it because we understand what it means to get stressed, basically. And that means we're not going to say, you're evil, evil, medieval. Now, as children, we may use words. I'm probably one of them as well, since I did get taught good and bad. Okay, so on that note, again, meta-awareness means I acknowledge that I'm upset. And if I'm upset, I'm tainting something. It's called, I take ownership of my emotions. I don't project it. And I also don't talk about what is a widening story as a child. This is for people with secure attachment. Let me spell that one out. The people who have childhood trauma, they need good psych education and then to understand that their dysfunctional patterns are nothing to be ashamed of. The inner critic, outer critic, and the fucking, the drugging, the alcoholing, the fooding, whatever it is. But they are the only ones, and then isolating and doing it again. They're the only ones who can become aware of it in a way that they have self-interest. So there's only a couple of ways this happens. They hit rock bottom to the extent that they almost die of exhaustion, whatever it is, and realize I'm not living my life. And that's not necessary, but they meet someone who motivates them. It's another human being. That's also something that I 
personally, if you're motivated by the external, the minute that external uh, doesn't fulfill something, you, you've lost your motivation. But that's where at least you get motivated enough. Okay, so if a person motivates you, uh, if that person leaves you, are you going to still be motivated is the question. So if on the other hand, you realize life has been and is a gift to me because I don't know what's after death. And that's the truth. None of us know. So if I understand that I've been given this thing called life, and by the way, if I don't feel that way, it's because I was, thank you to that lovely neuroscientist, determined life without free uh, science, with a uh, life without free will. It's not that you don't have free will. It's he's going to go ahead and talk about all of what happens to children from the fetus to attachment probably or neuroscience. So your brain structure is fundamental and your body, and your body is part of your embodied brain. Okay, so that's why people don't understand implicit memory. The first three years of your life, as I said, sensations, images, affects, meanings, behaviors, CMAB, or however. So it's CMAB is the coined term from Peter Levine, who shares, I think, Peter Levine, but there is a window of tolerance. When that's break, broken, uh, every trauma memory and charges come up through those means. So... Again, if you learned how to be human the right way out of all of these people that I get to learn from, I've met a bunch of therapists and consultants and I've seen, let's just put it this way, not securely attached some people, okay? But when I have seen them being securely attached, they bring joy to the, to the world. They want all human beings to know how beautiful they are and they want human love narratives. They're not sick of it. They don't, got, like, I want to throw up. They don't ever get bored or disgusted with the level of compassion that a human being can have. The ones who do, they had childhood trauma of some sort and actually pretty much attachment. Traumatization is what I'm going to use for now because when I've seen it happen, I'm going to say your first year of life was fucking hell because the only reason you would actually be triggered by anyone who is compassionate and unconditionally loving and joyous all the time, and a human who's just full of life is because your three-year-old and your one-year-old didn't get, you got life sucked out of you. And as lovely Sue Martin in our class, she's doing this thing, I'll never forget, because as she was doing it, I was just feeling so sad for those children. I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But she's like, what does it take? And she has her two hands up, and she's slapping. One hand is like a wall. The other one's slapping against it. And she says, what does it take to basically kick out all the life energy from a child? Because we, we all know how children are energetic. What does it take? And as she keeps beating that thing, you get it. Because the child, no, 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 no. They, they get suppressed. You're suppressing every single fucking moment of their energetic life because you can't handle the kid wanting to run around because whatever it is, it don't matter. Why'd you make a child if you didn't think you're going to run around for it? And, and putting to the side up, people need to work. We know that. We know people need to work. Still, if you're choosing to make and bear a child, you should learn about something new called attachment trauma. And some of them do. And then they get really preoccupied and worried that I fuck my child up and stuff like that. And that's sad too. So we have new information that shares that human love is our nature, that that's what we all have a birthright to. It's called you have a right to integration of the brain and a restorative embodied self. So that poor one-year-old fucking freaked out. The emotional body has to disconnect. They're going to grow up not to know that. The first three years of their life is still going to be a hellhole. They already have chain effectiveness in the first place. 
because the minute your lifeline is like, ah, you're not worthy, because that's how the body, that's how they say it's interpreted. I'm just going to say your nervous system regulated to whatever is not securely attached. So you don't know safe haven in your body. You did not learn how to regulate into a soothe system, your ventral vagal. No, you were in dysregulation and your body learned how to do two things. Sympathetic shutdown, sympathetic shutdown, sympathetic, and the shutdown is dorsal vagal. And I've seen people in this state. It's like very interesting because when they're in dorsal, there's like a little cloud. There's a person there, but they're like a little cloud. In fact, the people that I have in my life, whatever that's happened the first couple times, and, and maybe it was only the one time or two times because I'm like, are you hearing me? Because I, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'll repeat to me what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, you are online. Wow, that's really interesting. And now I know what it is because I know about the people who have, I'm sympathetic and then I'm dorsal vagal. I'm sim- because as an infant, that's all you can learn. That's what's dysregulation. And that's why then they live in hypervigilance mode and they're used to ruminating with that brain and stuff like that. So, um, Long story short, as we continue our conversation, let me finish with Daniel Siegel for a minute. He says, sometimes you can be the only secure attachment figure for an individual, like the only one they've ever had in their life. And retaining that connection, he's talking to therapists, even if therapy ends, can be very important because remember, he says, you may be the first human being who is in a role as a secure attachment figure for this individual. And the meaning of that will continue as a deep source of soothing where you've been a safe haven and you continue to be a secure base. Because this is their, uh, so from, for them, we're the safe haven. You've been an incredible source of going when they felt distressed for every part of them to actually know that they could go to you and with your presence, attunement, resonance, and trust, because that's what you do when you're part. Because you're curious, open, aware, accepting, and loving, and so you're not judging them. And the secure base is they have learned they can go out now and explore the world without using, in this case, he's talking about people who have dissociation. Uh, with the many facets of who they are now all available to them in a continuity and coherence that is really helping their self feel full. And integration made visible is kindness and compassion. So a person who's integrated brain, that's our 5D, there's kindness and compassion because you are a Zen master of you, it means you're a restorative embodied self. You're a grown up. You know how to be present, attuned, aware, resonate, all this stuff. You know how I'm a human and you're a human too. And as he presents, this is always Dr. Daniel Siegel, the road to integration can be incredibly energizing uh, because what you are doing and helping someone heal is really bringing out into the world the love and connection that is the birthright for all of us. And life, he says, as we move together to create a more integrated world or more to create more integration into our world. And, you know, long story short, that's not actually how I wanted to read it, but still makes you understand for my regular listeners why integration brain is important and why it's easy for some of us to have kindness and compassion and why we don't like to go to that masculine of our own when we are brought to have to say, something in a firm no ventral vagal because 
we understand that secure attachment is not everybody's beginning in life. And that's because our heart also has your nervous system and so am I. And so we pick up on each other. And while you might be closed off to people because you don't trust them, because that's what happens when people have trauma lingering and they have trust breaks and they don't heal any of it. So they have their defense mechanisms up. And that's always even people who did not begin life without secure attachment. We have people who are their teenage self and they chose the human suffering love narrative. So they say, I only trust no, I don't trust anyone. I have to walk around with my gloves on. And anytime a person in my circle does something I don't like, I will have been, oops, I did it again. I played with, I will have a story to say they played with my heart and they're an asshole and I'm the good person and I will not notice anything of what I just did. I will just use the demon devil story. Uh, I will use categories, twin flames, soulmates, all that stuff, by the way. The twin flame thing is a real deal in spirituality. People who are serious about this subject matter and the entirety of being in a uh, awareness of it will not need too many words. They won't know because twin souls is what I was told by somebody they were called. Then somebody else coined the term twin flame. But essentially, you and I have an oversoul. When you have an oversoul that is present in both of its aspects, you will know this. Uh, by the way, they keep on saying there's a limited number. This is not really true. However, part of it is true, but the people who are following the bandwagon of Twin Flames are still being able to expand thanks to their awareness of a story because here's what human suffering love people want. They want a story. They're adaptive children, so they ruminate, and then they have their 4D readers support them and guide them, and that's the relationship soul age for some who look for soulless essentially and they'll find it we just recently had a lovely full moon and when you understand how the law of energy or the cosmos works you'll understand a lot of things and again i do understand that you're not all mystics or 5d so let me try my best to explain because i don't need a story to share with you the journey of integration, compassion, uh, love, meaning how our human nature is this. I, I have the attachment and trauma formation, but I also had Jesus when I started my journey in the first place and God. And the message in my book, in fact, has never changed. It just has a lot of different ways that it can be told. And the funny thing to me is the 4D mystics who don't understand that they're all teenagers, but then again, like I said, they offer each other uh, because an adaptive child basically is a human being who ruminates. They did not find the courage to stand up for their self as a teenager or as an 11, 12-year-old or the freeze. All of those charges exist within you and they come up and they come up in different ways. And the ones of us who are mystics, we're not more special. We might be, no, we are more intuitive, so our energy body expands like mine did throughout the years, and it still does, but very differently because I, after my rainbow body, I had two, if not three, other expansion energetic uh, moments, and I had my peak of panic attacks throughout all of this stuff as the planet went through tra transformation, and then we also, though, had two years where I allow myself, as any 5D mystic will, to understand that we are a globe. And in fact, the lovely trauma educators explain how our nervous systems communicate with each other and that, you know, physicists say we're all the sound. So the, the way you can understand anything is through vibration. 
and that doesn't need to exclude it. So, because really, when people want to use only one of those subject matters, uh, what they do is they take away the context because you're a multidimensional being and you human being have a body. So if you don't understand how your embodied brain works and that you're a mammal, you already don't know the actual blueprint. Yes, you can have a story called spirituality, religion, politics, whatever. You can have these stories. The point is that's not how your body is working or your brain. And if you're not smart enough to understand this, it's because you're following stories. From the movies to anybody who is segmenting information, that gives you, not me. You see, human love narrative, we, we know we're here to experience the life of being a human. <laughs> I laugh because it's like, how do you do not know this? And, and then I, I am trying to put things into context, okay, because of knowing about determined. So attachment, traumatized, and human suffering love teenagers, they don't know this because they're too busy in their head with rumination. The worst case scenarios are they are not doing well at all. Okay, so enough about that. Let me uh, move into more for the tarot reading and a healing trauma and relationships. So the, fa the fact is the ones who are human love narrative as their own Zen master right now in this moment in time are people who have nothing but love and compassion for all of human beings. And that is all I will share. They are between educators to mystics. It does not matter. They are beyond the stories. When we see the spirituality soul age group, we know who they are because of how they will talk about their compassion and love. They are not the enlightenment soul age group. This is not a competition. This is me organizing information right now for those of you who are interested and trying to figure out where you stand. And if you love all humanity and understand them through a heart that is open and a heart that knows there's no devil or demon that can ever possess anyone, that we have trauma experts that explain what it means when a poor infant has attachment traumatization, their brain circuit cannot in any way, shape, or form conceptualize any emotion. In fact, that's why there's consciousness barriers and memory barriers to protect the infant who has no option in that basically household that is hell for them. They move out of that innocent, no, they're not even innocent. They're a scared, scared animal that has no way out except for there. They only know that reality. They will only know hell in their body until they get a good trauma informational person and they're interested in doing something about it and before they can even remotely get there they're going to get to become an adolescent who will then have their peers and then by that point we don't even know right because adolescence i mean i've seen movies i was a teenager again and let me which one was the story that i wanted to share about adolescence anyways I'll, i think i'll just give the gist for me as an adolescent I learned that kids don't know how to keep their word, they don't know how to love, and that they have fun actually teasing people. And I didn't find it humorous. I didn't find it heartbreaking to the point of where I'm not worthy, no. And when it comes to romantic love, here, let me share that one because I think that's where I was going to go some of it. I had plenty of flirtatious little boys that I dated. I remember my notes. Oh, we've been together one month. Oh, three months. So, you know, to me, teenage land was this. And I am humored to, to see adults do things like this. Okay, so here's the deal. When I see, though, adult, and I'm going to talk, I'm a woman. I'm heterosexual. I'm polyamory. Most of my, no, all of my girlfriends are not. 
uh, they definitely don't agree with it. They're jealous and uh, envious. No, they're jealous. That to them equates, I love my partner. I have shared with them it's equal to low self-esteem. As a teenager, I got, no, no, it's culture. This is how we love. You just don't know because you're American. I, it's not because I'm American, but okay. I just don't have the thing of being, you know, a person who owns. But, you know, here, I should share the story. I learned my first, one of my first, actually wasn't my first, one of the uh, moments of my life that I got to learn, thanks to a relationship, about the damaging effects of reacting with anger by being possessive about another human being. And the funny thing is the other human being doesn't remember this while another human being does remember it, if I'm not mistaken. So I got angry and I got reactive. And that's because of this little boy dancing with another little girl and I was the girlfriend, but he was dancing with another girl. And I remember the moment of anger because I remember then what happened, which was that we broke up. <laughs> and, I, and I laugh at that because it was between the ages of eight and 10. So I know it's a child's thing, but it was really important. I have explicit memory of it. And again, they don't remember it the same way. They just say, ah, oh, it just happened. I remember what I, so here's why every one of us have subjective experiences. I learned something from that experience. They didn't learn anything or whatever it is. They have, a, they have their subjective experience of those years, as I do. And what, in fact, matters is how you feel, remember, not because it's right. No, the matter where adult person knows, because it's my experience. Fuck, what I don't even know. How else to explain? So some people, they don't know how to do this. They don't know how to say, yeah, we have subjective experiences, realities. We come at things differently. We hear each other differently. Uh, it's normal that we're going to have, you know, um, it's not even misalignment. It's called, you have a perspective, so do I. So when you're present, it's because you're tuning to each other and you're not expecting anything from each other. And that's why then you can resonate. And when people allow each other to just be their self, that's it. So long story short, that was my lesson because I said, wow, I got reactive for no other reason except for, they, that's, I don't remember if I actually contemplated it that way, but pretty much that's what came with me as I got older. And I chose never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> to ever again be reactive because it ruined it ruined, it broke my relationship. So I didn't get mad at me. I didn't get mad at the person. I didn't grovel into the you know terrain or whatever. No, but the expanded consciousness moment was, I am never going to treat a person like that and be reactive because what I did was dismantle and break something. And I didn't even need to get mad because they were no person, you know, like there's no need. This action did nothing except for destroy, quote unquote. Okay, so this is a child's perspective, but then again, a person's perspective. And what I share with you, this is expanding consciousness with meta-awareness. When you treat yourself with equanimity because you understand that you were reactive, there's nothing to be ashamed of, and that's because I was not shamed or made to feel humiliated or any of it when I have emotions from my primary caregiver. And even if potentially there were words said, as you get older, right, we change how we talk to each other. By then, I have a whole three-year-old heart with a whole self 
and I get to be who I am and not be ashamed of it. So when you grow up to be a mature, emotionally speaking person, it's because you learn to be your own safe haven, regulate your nervous system as it's in distress, and your secure base have a chit-chat. I can explore the world however the fuck I want, whatever I'm interested in. And if somebody doesn't like it, they don't have to. Not here to please appease you or attach cry or collapse submit or do any of that actually I'm not here to live life according to you, and I don't need to defend, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, flop, drop me from you, human being who has no weapon in your hand. You have your social opinion, whatever opinion, I don't give a shit. Meaning, I live life my way, you live life your way, and if that's not okay, there's the highway. Then you do this, though, with compassion and love because you're an integrated person, which means you have healthy self-worth, integration of the brain. That is going to trigger every single one of those insecurities that another person will have because their charges are going to perceive you as whole. And really, it's a this is where I don't need to share that. But what I want to move into as we close on out are love and the guidance. You can only be love if you're in your soothe system, one. So if you're present and not making anything up or help other people. And that means, though, you have an open heart, which means you don't say, I give you 80% of my trust and I keep 20 or I keep my gloves on, my boxing gloves, and I only take them off if you prove yourself to me. No, that is for the human suffering love narrative people, and they can keep doing that. Those are teenagers who, they don't deserve love, they're evil, and they exaggerate all of what happened, and they ruminate. That's all I'm going to share here. They can get a good therapist, or they can stay within the human suffering love narrative. There's plenty of cheerleaders and monsters for them to do what they do. The ones who expand and all expand. In both toroidal fields, there's expansion happening right now. The ones who want human suffering love, they're going through their, basically, you know, like an opera, right? They have a theatrical thing going on, so they got, what is it, one, part one, part two. So the ones who have chosen to do the human suffering love narrative, they're in their next, their next piece of their trauma, whatever, their trauma, I shouldn't say trauma, their drama, whatever, Obviously, there's trauma, uh, there's trust breaks, so it is a serious deal, but they don't look to get healed. They don't look to hurt people, hurt people. They look to the codependent type relationship, and they allow themselves to say, this is a great relationship. Look, I'm saving someone, or whatever it is, the story, or I was saved from hell, and they make up, again, the other side is the bad guy of their story. So within romance, I'm talking right now, also within friendships, though, it can be a lot of things. So within their relationships, there's been a quote-unquote tabula rasa. The human suffering bit, they have their, again, uh, drama, and some will have, hopefully, the opportunity to heal their trauma uh, if they awaken to it. Uh, If instead they want to ruminate, they will continue that. And then we have our higher toroidal field, Those are people who look to what has taken place and they're like, wow, this is a benefit. I've been released from grief, from stagnation, from what is uh, unhealthy self-worth people. I've been released from small minds and meanness. And I've been released from having to take care and uh, limit myself. And so I've been given the gift of freedom right now. I'm a little bit lost because I do know that I don't have all the answers to how to handle what's coming up, but I know exactly who I want in my corner. 
And this is anyone who will allow me to be able and express myself as I want. They won't talk behind my back. They won't talk in ways that are passive aggressive. In fact, they will all my face and we will have great and awesome conversations, passionate, all of that, because they're a grown-up emotion. They're taking charge of their thoughts and emotions. They're not expecting people to say the truth, not the truth. They're saying, as long as I feel good about this thing and it walks where I'm walking, it's good. And anyone who stands in my way, move out of the highway. And I will not insult you. Obviously, the human love narrative is here. I will understand that, simply put, you're not for me. I'm going to be what is called a healthy self-boundary. I will not get rigid. I will not be porous. So I will not give you shit and think I'm such a nice person. And I will not be like, ah, I'm going to tell. No, I will not be that. I will be a person who knows how to use my mouth. If I get exaggerated, I will know how to recognize if you are an emotional person and you say, how dare you? (laughs) So sorry. And then I will also learn how not to necessarily be around you if that's called me having to suppress the way I want to be around people. So some of us, we like to get passionate. And the fact that we got people who don't know how to handle it, we're not going to be talking about any interesting stuff with them. We're going to be like, hey, how's your day? Good. Oh, how wonderful. Because that's a child to a person who gets passionate about life. So passion means direct communication, not insulting. The people who insult, they will use shameful, blameful, faultful, and spiteful slash vengeful, jealous, envious, and that energy of their nervous system will tell it to you. So it won't need any dialogue. That's why the emotional adults know how to just shut the mouth because they're like, wow, I see, I spy an ego self in the room that doesn't have a person who's their own safe haven, secure base. Hmm. I think I'm going to be quiet, allow them to have the floor and the room, and then I'm going to say, thanks for being here, going out to have fun with other people now, and going about my business in these 24 hours to have fun, because joy is what we are able to bring to this plane, and because there's things to tend to that are important, compassion and loving integrated people now can go off into the world and be busy with that. Okay, so to get here, those who have had childhood trauma, they will know when they're ready for a compassionate, loving, and ability to say, you know what, yes, I love all humanity and the world, and I do not feel despair when I'm in the presence of human suffering, love narrative people. And that's a different equation. So I support all of you to learn how to emotionally self-regulate, to hear about what it's like to know about secure base, safe haven, to know about mysticism, to know about all these things. You heal your own trauma by being able to understand sensations, images, meanings, affects, behaviors, however that comes to you. Again, you learn to self-regulate your nervous system to move into soothe. If you don't like soothe, it means you want hypervigilance, but that's not that you want it, it's that you're used to rumination and the inner child, and it's not a bad thing. It is a thing. So remember I was saying as a teenager, I had a example. Think that because I'm polyamory that I don't know love. I know a lot of love. Love is my oxytocin gene hormone. And what I know most of all is it's beautiful when you have people who show up with secure attachment and healthy self-worth. Because that's the minute that they're a direct communicator. And they don't come and go in a way that is of a teenager who doesn't know how to say anything. 
So when we spot a teenager, even though they're an adult, we will know it because they will make up a story and more. It's called the passive, aggressive, indirect communicators. They manipulate information. It's not something we, we don't use words. I've never used words to never, never say never. I have used words sometimes to help you conceptualize, but the part about, uh, you know, ghosting, gaslighting, manipulating, a healthy self-worth person finds these not weapons. Because again, my whole self is actually, uh, okay, what are you doing? I don't understand because I'm not looking for your approval when we're talking. I'm actually talking to you as if I was talking to a peer. So as I got to become me personally a young adult, I realized there were not. Now I have the attachment and trauma people who share with me. So we're going to do a part two, by the way, just so you know, don't, don't go anywhere. And I know that it's a seamless transition, but since I know some of you don't have all the time in the world, you might want to tune on out. But again, uh, unconditional love, self-empowerment, and healthy self-worth leads people to always have fun in their relationships because nobody is going to be looking for, oh, they did my thumbs up, yay, oh, they did the thumbs down, no. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to get to the part two where I get to share with you some more stories, and we'll continue with the teenage one. And then we'll navigate to the grown-up one and show the difference between a human love narrative individual versus the human suffering love who will ruminate and essentially they stay what is essentially in my book, again, a teenager, but a teenager is a person who has just gone through that adolescent phase, pruning process of the brain. They're looking for new alloparenting attachment figures and they've just created it. So they've just finished creating that and their societal brain wanted the approval So their next lifeline, so their second step, second choice, this time they could have consciously chosen something different. And that's why we're going to get into this one in part two. So we'll be back. Okay, so as we were saying, with that uh, teenager year, consider it about uh, 13, 14, 15, 16. I believe they have now uh, allocated teenager to 13 versus it used to just be 14, 15, 16. And the 11, 12 is where you're an adolescent, something like that. Okay, so let's not do math. But on that, if any of you were a teenager, just bring yourself back to that time. I mean, you all, I think were, because I don't talk to teenagers. I do try to say the content is explicit. Okay, so I remember personally having a great time dating a bunch of different people and being like, oh, it's been a month, it's been three months, and all these notes. And then I did hear from people who are younger than me, though, that they didn't do the same thing. So that their friends were actually more about, no, no, it's, you know, not a relationship until you go into like the whole year. And we can acknowledge that things have changed. We have adolescents and teenagers who know about polyamory and choose that path versus only monoamory. We know about uh, the conversations widening to involve when people are young, they already know about you can like the same sex or you can be where you like or don't know which one of the two, and so you explore. So exploration is being discussed in different words today. And I say that because, see, when you really do compare, even though we don't and shouldn't compare the past to the present, because the past is the past, but let's just, out of kicks, use a quick comparison. All things about um, same sex and transgender, all of what we're talking about now, has existed throughout our species history, but with a level of ignorance, 
because we didn't have all of the updated sciences that can talk to us about embodied brain and about our, our way of feeling inside. And while some people, again, they don't believe in neuroscience and neurobiology and all of the trauma experts and attachment experts because they don't, one, learn about it, two, they keep on just watching movie, movies with stigmas and all that. So we're in a moment of transformation because we have updated educational material. And until the 1990s, the psychology, the mental health group, the doctor group, we're talking about, oh, as long as you don't hit them with a frying pan, it's good. So while individuals are rushing and upset at the system, they're not allocating into context the time, which is like with the church and the medieval times. Like There's just so many different ways I can present to you what a meta-aware person, which is not twisting information, if you want to talk about years and to actually understand what it means to be able to understand something and how empirical quantitative data works as well as qualitative and how, by the way, it's not because they've proven it once that it will stay the stand. No, we've seen how there are things in the field of physics that have changed. That doesn't mean that because now it's been disproven that everything else is not true. So this habit of saying, oh, since A and B now have been eradicated and we only have C and D, then all of A and B was false. This is a person who has no integration of the brain and they're only using the left mode because that's the left mode that does stuff like that it does not have the ability to allow contradicting pieces of information to coexist together that's why it's the masculine because it wants to break it down into little bitty bitty pieces while the feminine allows all of it to come together and can have an aerial view and say oh wait a minute <laughs> they can work together and the right mode sits with the opposite so a and b you can allow that to sit in a in the right mode, and there's no feelings present, there's ah, A and B, I don't have to cancel out A and B because now C and D are true. Now this explanation was given to me by Daniel Siegel of how our left and right mode of the brain work. This is why some people say, no, that's not true. He has colleagues that tell him and tease him, okay? So this is what you want to understand about subject matter experts and anybody who's guiding you anywhere. And if you are a person who understands how information works you're not going to be sensationalizing it unless you want to live a movie which is where the human suffering love people are because again they ruminate and they want they're used to expressing life like a teenager and they don't think that this the soothe system is any fun they want i don't think it's a want they haven't tried out the soothe system and they get busy in that shame cycle and again, like Tara Brock points out, they can become addicted to it and really sides of neuroplasticity. So you're going to choose if you're motivated to get out of rumination or not. And the minute you're like, oh, that's gross. I don't like all that compassion stuff is the minute that if you actually had good trauma information, you'd know that that's because you didn't have a child centric environment. And so you didn't feel safe. And that's what I know. So like when I'm around people, no, when I'm around nature, if I were around nature all by myself, I would not feel comfortable. I'd be hypervigilant all the time because I'd be in consistent thought. I'm in threat. I'm in threat. Kind of like, has anybody seen The Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> One of my favorite cartoons. When he's out in the jungle by himself and he's scared and there's a little, you know, uh, what was it? Some bug that moves. And then there's this squirrel that comes in and he 
basically is reactive because he was afraid of it being a big lion. Instead, what comes out of the bushes is a squirrel. And because it's a squirrel, he's like, ah, you're an asshole. So he's stressed out and he treats the squirrel like a piece of shit. And, and the squirrel gets his revenge once the you know, emperor, once what's his face, Cusco, gets to fall in a pit with all these I think they're lep no, not leopards. They're the panthers. Anyway, so he's like, ha ha, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, no, what was? Oh, that's right. So I'm I'm sharing a scene. Give me a minute. He's he teases. He throws uh, a squirrel. Tries to be nice to him by giving him an acorn, but because Cusco is upset because he's a, he's afraid and he's in the jungle all by himself, he throws. <laughs> he's a little bit of a. He, he's a child who's, who's been spoiled is how they portray him. And uh, he throws the acorn at the head of the squirrel. And the squirrel is like, what the fuck? I was just being nice to you. And so then as Cusco's in the jungle all by himself and, is, and he's afraid, he ends up falling in a pit with all these, uh, whatever, the panthers, the, the ones that are purple. They look like eggplant purple. And he falls in the middle and the squirrel comes back around and is laughing at him now because he's going to get his revenge because he treated him like shit. So now I, and what he does is build this little balloon and he makes like, like the clowns who create the balloon figures and he creates a llama because that's what Cusco is now. And with a pin, the squirrel then pops the balloon and the pop though doesn't wake up the sleeping panthers. <laughs> and so Cusco says, ha, and then he covers his mouth because he just realized that he's still in the same dilemma. <laughs> and here's where the panthers wake up and they start chasing him. And you see Cusco being chased by all these panthers. And he ends up falling. And there's uh, Pacha, who is the grown up. Pacha's the wise, compassionate, secure attachment figure, in fact, is what Pacha will be to Cusco. And he is, in fact, the one who says, you know, I was always told there's some good in, in people. And Cusco says, no, and he says, I don't want to share the whole story. But long story short, Pacha is the secure attachment, safe haven, secure base. So no matter what Cusco does, he doesn't choose to do revenge like the squirrel. The squirrel is <laughs> a little asshole. But, you know, that's where some people, so the human suffering love narrative people, they stay assholes because they stay and they're, uh, I'm going to get back at you. I need gloves because humanity sucks. While Pacha is the wise Zen master. And in fact, what happens in this story, and I will share this part, is that Cusco accuses Pacha of being, uh, of not wanting to save him. Because at a certain point, Pacha hears the evil Isma <laughs> uh, with Kronk and that they were the ones who plotted to kill him. And uh, Cusco doesn't know any of this. So he overhears this and he tells Cusco, we have to leave because the bad guy, he doesn't say the bad guys, but he's trying to say, we have to leave. We have to leave. You're in danger. And he then tells him, I heard, uh, you know, Isma and Kronk. And he's like, oh, no, they're, they're going to save me because he's still under the impression after treating Isma like shit that she would help him. <laughs> I mean, he is... He, and this is not even funny, he's, he's a childhood trauma survivor who thinks that the person that, yeah, it's, it's actually really, see how you can use a story to have anything, 
that you will have learned be able to fit. This is the point that some of the data scientists uh, make, but this doesn't mean to dismantle everything, uh, FYI. It is, simply put, Shiva, nothingness, marriage to it, meaning we don't know everything, not that there's no thing, because it's all information. It all supports a person. So in this case, we're talking for personal development reasons. So as a whole self gains safe haven, secure base, you, person, you can become emotionally mature, you would be a pacha. You will be a pacha if you want. You don't have to. You could be the squirrel. 4D mystics are squirrels, and a bunch of people are the squirrel. And they are, I have my boxing gloves on. So I'm only gonna, I'm gonna be nice to you. But the minute you're mean to me is the minute that I'm going to then take revenge. And Pacha, on the other hand, so here's what happens as Pacha tries to save Cusco. Ah, you don't want me to get saved. You want to keep me stuck because Pacha, his village is in danger because Cusco, Cusco plans on destroying it for his 18th birthday. He's being. A teenager who says, I want what I want, and I'm not going to stand down, and I don't care where you go and live. I don't care if I make you homeless. I'm going to have my playground. This is what he wants to create a playground from Pacha's ancient, you know, I've been here for years, my family, we have, he doesn't care about any of that. He says, I don't care. You go, fine, go. You better go to, I think he says, you better go to the homeless shelter, fill out the forms for relocation. And so Pacha's like, how can you be so heartless? This is not possible. Where are we going to go? You know, you're the king. You're the king of the empire. So he doesn't even tell his wife about this because he's like, how am I going to tell my family we're going to be, you know, taken out of our homes because this idiot wants to build his playground on our and doesn't care about any of us or our village. And he's the king. So uh, you see this entire, it's beautiful, a story, actually, now that I translate it this way. So we'll keep on going for a little bit more. Um... <clears throat> so, as I said, while Pacha's saying we need to leave because Yzma and Kronk want you dead, he accuses Pacha of wanting to keep him stuck. You want to keep me in the middle of nowhere because you don't want me to go home because you know I'm going to destroy your village. So you are selfish. And he twists everything and you can tell he means it. And Pacha storms off and leaves. Long story short, though, Cusco ends up finding himself learning the truth, which was what Pacha told him. And in fact, he goes and starts just crying. And in I won't share all of it, but he knows he's, he's being an asshole. He was an asshole. He's, he, he did all he did and found himself in this shitty situation all by himself. The one person who tried helping him, actually, he, he totally said no. And now he's going to be stuck being a llama and he's all alone. And he, he makes do with what he did and he's like well I guess this is my destiny and you see him going to eat in a very like you know sad depressed way every inch of the way what he did to himself but he accepts his fate because he understands I I did this to me but he's obviously you know sad and blue so he goes and starts grazing at the at the grass with the other llamas and he's like this is gross you can tell he's like oh because he's not a llama. You hear Pacha in the distance and, and he's talking to the llamas because Pacha is a llama herd person or something like that. And he's like, can you believe it? He saved me because Cusco saves him from the crumbling rock. And that's when Pacha says, see, I told you nobody's that heartless. And it's so beautiful. It's going to make me cry right now. So, uh, you know, he's talking to the llamas and and Cusco's ears, they perk up. He's like, oh, it's, it's Pacha. He's like, ah. Oh, and he's crying. I'm so sorry, you know. And Pacha's like, don't worry about it. He's, he says, it's okay. Are you ready to get your body back? 
and they go off and you know there's the story so that's actually a really nice one that's what a secure attachment figure is when you hear everything there is to know from Daniel Siegel did in this case about what it is to be a safe haven secure base and any attachment or trauma researcher person you understand how Pacha is the Zen master of the Zen master traditional story of Sadhguru anything that is within the realms of spirituality and any of those philosophers it's it can be equated to what people in the attachment and trauma field are calling our birthright and that's why compassion and joy and love are what they are and so people who get that they get to understand this human love narrative and live it and though not everybody actually will so like i said some want to be that squirrel no they don't want to they grew up in a way that led them to be the squirrel some will be Cusco, and some can end up figuring out who Pacha is. But some, they will stay within that in-between, so they simply switch sides. Let's just put it that way, meaning they could say, ah, Yzma's a good person, or whatever. It's, it's a distorting of reality, um, and I'm going to leave that one alone. But I think you understand at this point what it means for you to, if you want, move into becoming the emotional adult that is your birthright. For some people, it's a story that leads them to good therapists. And that way they can actually get out of being a squirrel. Maybe they can make it into, you know, uh, Pacha eventually. Because from what I've gathered, it takes time. So at the most, maybe, you know, a Cusco, anyways, both roles in my book, whether the squirrel or Cusco, you can uh, move into Pacha because they have different uh, highlights. So at the end of the day, back to our other stories of teenagers. So, you know, uh, for me as an uh, adolescent teenager, it was fun to do the whole uh, one month, three months, and then figure out, oh, they mean nothing. It's if you get to a year a two-year, okay, that's when relationships begin to actually be securely attached, okay? That's when you're building something. Until then, it's really just we're exploring and getting to know each other, okay? So when you learn anything about the romantic phase, you learn about, and I did learn about it as a high schooler, we got taught a lot of things. And so three months is where people are trying to impress each other, unless they're not. Some of us don't try to impress anyone. We're just who we are. And that's because when you hear that, you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not. Uh, no, why would I, you know, but this is also when you have, again, healthy self-worth. So you're not working for love. It's you love me for who I am or you don't. And if you don't, I'll get sad and blue, but I'll be okay with it. And that's how you live your relationships when you're a person who maintains secure attachment. So your own safe haven, secure base. And so when you're upset, you don't say that's an evil person because they broke up with me. No, you say we were exploring a relationship. Okay, and when you do do things to try and be liked, you know when that's happening too, like I've shared that story. Okay, so you know when you're acting quote-unquote foolish and that's because you'll be trying to do something to grab the attention of the people that you like as a teenager. So teenager for me is where... I did the, oh, let me try and make me look pretty as a grown-up. No, not even remotely close. No, this is who I am. You don't like it? Bye. That's, that's where I got as I got to get through my relationships as a young adult. It was, you accept me, you don't have to. 
And if you don't, that's okay. So when people are, again, healthy, self-worth, it means I don't change for you, which is why here's where I'll share that one story. My boyfriend that said as they were breaking up with me, I thought you would change. And I looked, I no, I was on the phone with him. I said, what? I said, didn't you get to know me? <laughs> I told you I don't change. Yeah, no, I know, but I thought you would change. And I was negotiating to try and stay within the relationship because I didn't understand since I don't change. I presented who I was, all of it. And, you know, that's the part of why we each have perspectives. We think that people live life like we do. So I thought that person was showing up fully and completely. And here's where when you realize in order for you to show up fully and completely, you can only do that if you know how to self-regulate your nervous system into your suit system, people. Otherwise, you're not showing up fully and completely. You're showing up with low self-esteem, indirect communication manners, passive-aggressive manners. You do not know healthy boundaries. You will know porous or rigid boundaries, which are not boundaries at all. They're you getting upset. And then you will manipulate information and you'll be an adaptive child. So whether Squirrel or Cusco, you'll be one of the two, which is twisting things. The Pacha people that are healthy self-worth will, instead of, you know, again, reacting, will be like, what? Okay, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. It's like Pacha says, nobody's that heartless. So we will know something's up and we won't abandon you. We will know that you're, whether again, Squirrel or Cusco, the person who doesn't know how to live life emotionally and mentally you're the one who needs us not the other way around but we don't need to be around you either meaning you get to do whatever you want with life so we're not going to chase you down pacha left cusco he didn't plan on chasing him no he had a hunch probably okay maybe he'll be back which is why you find him with the llamas no not necessarily because again he's a llama person meaning he has a herd of llamas so for all we know it was by coincidence that cusco ends up where the llamas that pacha takes care of R. And so he's there. But because he's sharing the story, of course, you know, that's where we think, okay, he, he was may, keeping an eye out on him and just, you know, from afar, we don't know any of that. See right here, <laughs> that's all extra. But for a mystic, by the way, I'll share it that way with our oversoul. Okay. So that's the whole part of what uh, twin flames, soulmates, we know who's a part of our story forever in our lifetime. And I say forever because uh, our oversoul is who we are for those of us who are mystics. And that's because we have a relationship with the sphere of consciousness. This is what's not provable by obviously our neuroscientists, our physicists, and a 5D mystic to prove anything to anyone, not to themselves, not to their oversoul, because this is the part, it's a relationship. When I go to sleep at night and I wake up and when I perceive my oversoul, it's all Maria experiencing it i don't have to share with anyone and if somebody says it's woo woo pseudoscience it will not break my heart <laughs> it might make me sad and blue because yes of course you know you don't have the ability to share a part of you but also you know you are teasing something that is special and it, that i embody and experience you don't embody it you don't understand it you don't perceive it you don't believe it i don't give a shit whether you're a scientist or not <laughs> i'm not going to share with you a part of me so that i know you don't get to have me whole and full and complete and we're not building a secure attached relationship because i have no 
ability to share with you something that is mine because you dismiss it. Whether you think you're superior to me or inferior, it don't matter. You're neither. You're a person like I am, and you have chosen not to be present because you've chosen to decide for me what my life is and how it's felt, and basically you've entered my space now. And that's called enmeshment. Basically, that's a non-differentiated person who doesn't understand differentiation is now saying you have to fit the box that I'm saying. So since I don't believe in missing it's a bullshit story. Or since I do, I'm going to say you're ah, no, 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 no. There's none of that. I'm in, I'm in the middle. I'm just as normal and a person as you are. I just have an antenna that picks up other stuff or whatever. Anyways, so long story short, a 5D mystic. Don't go around saying I'm anointed. I'm saving people. But we know what we know about our oversoul. And we never, ever, ever change our mind because we know what we know about our oversoul. Uh, there isn't a changing. This is the part. <laughs> our left mode is friends with our right mode. And when we're channeling and when we're entering that moment from a grounded body, I can share with you, oh, it's amazing. When I do Reiki sessions, when I do tarot readings, when I do Akashic record readings, when I'm channeling guidance, when I'm doing mediumship at times, any of those that people treat as if it's a gift or a talent. It's not an art, people. It is an actual relationship with what we're made of. And the people who want it to be an art, they, they again, leave it alone. They, they're, they're, they're there to serve people in a different way than those who are trying to share with people. You can be Pacha. You can be a compassionate integrated brain human being is how I'm going to share this with you. It's called the life of being a human and moving into enlightenment. So age group is a choice you make. You don't have to. Okay. So on that back to teenage land, because I do want to share with you the other part of this reading, which was trying to compare and contrast so you can figure out where you're at. As I said, for my teenage years, I was a-okay with having fun. <laughs> I'm still a-okay I've grown to know the difference uh, with people who show up completely. If they do, then they're a pacha. That's it. And that's where it stands. So human love narrative people. They know how to not lie. They know if they have a situation, they know how to present, they talk about it. They're not ashamed of themselves, none of that. If they're a Cusco or they're the squirrel or Yzma or in Kronk, we'll know all of that. So that will not be taken Seriously, because again, you won't be able to show up as yourself because they will be, whether it's up or down, don't matter. Every time you need to, you know, address it, the down, you address it easily because that gives them a boost of confidence. The up, you completely ignore. At a certain point, though, you have to redirect it because they think they own you and they're making uh, basically in their brain a bunch of shit. And so every time that happens, you're like, okay, no, no. No one-year-old, no three-year-old, no teenager. Okay, and so that's what happens there, which is why we don't take any of those who are not, again, a pacha seriously because they're not walking a straight line. And it will be clear to us because they will not allow us to show up as we are. So that's once you become aware as an adult, and that's where 25, 26, 27... Yes, that people, men and women, romantically speaking, they don't know how to love. And here's where the concept of the one for me was still present with the twin flame being introduced in my life 
And then once Twin Flames were introduced, I was like, oh, okay, I'm getting to move beyond the concept of loving one human being in a special way. And that's the beginning of my polyamory journey because I love more than one person. My Twin Flames, they're all special. They're all in my energy sphere, as are some of my lovely soulmates and some of my other oversoul. They're all soulmates, really. So we don't talk about uh, Bruno. No, we don't talk about our uh, oversoul as karmics. That's bullshit story because we know for purposes of unconditional love and being pacha that all human beings are beautiful just the way they are and that if we can be their one secure attachment figure, that means that they know safe haven with us and secure base and that we give them one moment of soothe system in their body, one moment of that soothe system, that's your rest and rejuvenation, people. It helps your body to be at, like, I'm, oh, it's so safe. I'm so, oh, this is so easy going. Thank goodness. I'm so uh, relieved. It's, you can breathe. You can breathe. And so a person knows that feeling because your body knew at least one second of secret attachment. Now, might not want all of that at all, uh, but a body is a body, and there are moments in life that it starts to get tired, especially if you're living in drama land consistently. And so if a person needs a hit of soothe system, a 5D mystic enlightenment functional adult will not call that person a karmic, because we don't do karma, we do dharma. So <laughs> dharmic, so essentially we're a pacha. And no matter what, Cusco or the squirrel, Apacha will be there because we know nobody is that heartless and no person is a demon or a devil or deserving to be called a karmic or a monster the way the 4D does. But what we also know, by the way, FYI, are the journeys of us from this life as a human and in my case, other lifetimes with my lovely oversoul pieces. Most amazing. The ones that are these days of suffering, not so much because what's going on from an energetic perspective and where they're in, and it's only because of knowing what they're doing to their body, but also understanding, thank you, trauma experts, that some people they use the dark sides of neuroplasticity. And they armor themselves shut, and lo and behold, they remain in those types of dynamics. So again. It is not for us, as Sadhguru points out, to affect states of consciousness and there's no need because we have law enforcement and one shutting themselves in their shame cycle doesn't mean anything except for when you see the movies. That's one scenario. The worst case scenario is homelessness and eventually if they lead themselves to trouble, prison and or, you know, so we have laws. Essentially, that's uh, the worst case scenarios. And luckily, we have good 5D educators and people who are learning how to get into those spots to have Cusco's, no, to have Pachas and get rid of the Cusco's and those. And uh, we're, we're going to eventually lead ourselves to that. Some people don't have faith in humanity. They're the same that are not in the human love narrative and they're not Pacha. So the <clears throat> stories uh, are done with that. And when you grow up with meta-awareness, again, equanimity, you don't have a saga with twin flames or twin flame. 
and you know exactly what your oversoul is all about and you're not trying to talk about it uh, in a little competition of cheerleaders or jocks. <clears throat> when you meet people who uh, don't have the wanting, the desire to move or whatever it is, they are determined to stay within the story and they have, okay, so I'm going to put it this way. You get into a relationship, right? And so imagine teenage land. How was it? I remember having to get ready for that first kiss. It was always, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, for those first years. And then actually it was until I got my teenage boyfriend. Then once I got out of that relationship, now I was a, more of a grown-up. And so I was like, okay, it's cool. <clears throat> but as a teenager, it was always like the butterfly in the stomach before that first kiss. Okay, as a young adult, no, it wasn't because now we all knew how to handle that. Same thing goes as a young adult once you become familiar with why, why people, why? Because you will have had more experiences and you will have grown up mentally. <clears throat> so you're still, though, a novice at understanding how things work. And now that we know about attachment, thank goodness, people can understand the avoidant, the ambivalent, disorganized, and they can actually navigate relationships better. Instead of calling each other names, they can understand, you know what, I might be with a person who is not able to be emotionally available because they actually um, have some form of attachment wound or trauma. <clears throat> Let me address that with that with them. So as a young adult, you will already have a different uh, ability than my generation did. But still, my generation has just as much cap capacity to know of these mediums because they're all over the place online. So they have choices, human love, human suffering. Okay. <clears throat> so when you're a grown person at a certain point, so I'm going to move out of the middle of your 20s and 30s, because what I see about the people that are in their mid-20s and 30s is they're great. <laughs> they're really great because they have attachment. Uh, they're interested in the updated sciences field. Luckily, the ones who are ignorant, they are, again, with the ancient silverbacks, and we know they're where they go. They go to traditional cults, culty cults, and ethical cults. That's where they go. So they want to herd. Uh, they believe in the stories. Uh, they don't like updated information, and they don't budge. And that's not our business as long as they remain within the parameters of the law. Again, we don't have to do anything. And when we want to see laws change, we go and we vote. So a grown-up has a lot of different choices, and those choices indicate to you and I where they are, if human suffering or human love, and if they're people who are human love, they will already be talking about their relationships with the data points of attachment and trauma, not like teenagers. So they won't be like, I'm with a covert narcissist because I'm the spirituality person and I'm the twin flame that's awakened part. No, okay, so, so having shared again, we will find that the people who don't mature emotionally, so they don't move into grown-up land, they will have a way that they handle disappointment. So they get into a month's relationship, let's say, and this and a lot of individuals, they apparently didn't learn about the whole three months thing that I learned, or no, they did, some of them but they ignore those data points and they continue to want to generalize, stereotype, and ruminate. That's actually why studies find people don't move. Why do some people move beyond uh, small traumas or big traumas? Because some people, 
they don't generalize in stereotypes. So this is, I forget the study where it was conducted, uh, but Michael Yapko and other therapists that I learned from have informed me of this, this study and data point. And I'm like, well, it makes a lot of sense because of how the brain works when you're ruminating and when you're not in a state of compassion. And what generalization does is say, I'm right, they're wrong, and I got a good and bad guy in my story or gal or they or whatever. And not whatever, because but whatever it is, it don't matter. You're still making up some shit about other people without being able to be objective. I'm upset and I'm making up shit in my head about people. That's basically how I equate it because it's pretty straightforward. Whether you want to believe in a God or not, and I did grow up with God, it was very straightforward what the message was. And to this day, I have no issue personally with Christianity. I am a Christian. I'm a Catholic. Uh, and I actually... <laughs> told God what I thought about the people that are not actually aware of what he talks about. So anyways, long story short, <clears throat> that's a subjective opinion. People that listen regularly know this, and anyone who does know about Christ's word has actually agreed with me because Christ is a representation of unconditional love, functional adults. He is like a pacha. And so, you know, again, it's not hard if you actually have your humanity in the forefront to know that every human cannot be heartless and that if something is uh, going on inside of them, like when Cusco, he didn't want to be mean to the squirrel, but he was afraid. He was scared and he attacked the squirrel with the one thing the squirrel was just trying to be nice. Uh, the same thing he does when Pacha, no, with Pacha, he twists things to his volition because he's being stubborn and not believing that people, by the way, and he treated Isma like shit. So he's even more not aware, like, wow, seriously, don't you realize, like, there's a whole bunch of things from that story that really, uh, Isma was taking, was doing his work behind his back, and he caught her, and she chose to kill him because he fired her. And he, because Kronk is a person who doesn't know how to be mean, in fact, he's just, you know, like Yzma's toy boy or something like that. I think that's what they try to make us understand, you know, but it's a kid's movie. They say they do these things to help grown-ups be uh, interested. And uh, so anyways, <laughs> let's get back to what I was trying to share in this lovely guidance and uh, moment. So relationships are important to heal trauma and that only happens when you are a person who can unconditionally love so you can be a safe haven secure base for yourself and other people you don't have to be again nobody has to do anything for anyone understanding that yourself has a journey and that you can experience this lovely soothe system that one is what i'm going to say it's pretty awesome to be yourself when you are a restorative embodied self and you return to your birthright as a human being. For those who believe in the updated attachment again and trauma information, for those who don't, well, I don't know why you're still here, but okay, because uh, <clears throat> a story is a story. Uh, doesn't mean it's not true, but again, data is data. And a person who's grounded in reality will appreciate the data that is being shared because our nature is love, not suffering. And we don't need to actually suffer at all. In fact, that's quite explained as well. Now that the human suffering, love narrative people uh, don't believe in it, there's a reason again. So long story short, if you stay what I'm going to say is a teenager with drama <clears throat> and you need to ruminate that because you only live life from your 
survival mode, and that's where you get hooked on the dark side of neuroplasticity plus the biochemistry of fear because you don't care to get out of that narrative because you don't believe that you can get out of suffering, so you don't believe you can access your prefrontal cortex. Well, one, you have no bilateral integration, that's for sure, because you're not actually allowing yourself to be in meta-awareness. And as long as you do that with anyone who disappoints you, you can do all the yoga you want. Anything in the spirituality, you're not going to do shit. You're going to be the little squirrel or Cusco again. And in either cases, both behaviors are emotional immaturity. So they attack each other for not knowing how to show up and speak like adults, like Pacha, and know what's what, which is no one is heartless. No person is a person that doesn't have a heart. Thank you, Stephen Porges. So when we see biological rudeness, we know we have trauma, attachment, all that stuff. So again, sometimes people stay stuck in their trauma because instead of moving into compassion, they generalize. And we know about generalizations and stereotypes and how people use data to polarize what they already believe in. That's why we have human suffering, love, narrative people, the lower toroidal field. Okay, and as we conclude... So when a first grown-up relationship is dismantled, so you will have seen your entire life with a human being, and it's just fucking amazing, amazing, okay? And I've personally had the experience, like perfection, right? So when you know perfection, and that perfection, you know it's true. It's not because you're actually falling in love with the idea of what you will look like. For those of us who lead from our heart, I should specify, and that's only if you're a functional adult, only if you can be your own safe haven, secure base, because it will mean that I don't have an agenda with you. I don't need you to regulate my nervous system when I'm in distress. I don't need you as a safe haven, and I don't need you to uh, launch me into anything that I'm going to be interested in, saying the world's safe. No, I already know it. And I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing because I've known this since I was a teenager. And it's just, I know what Maria wants to fucking do in life. And the life that I want is going to have a lot of things. And I don't know everything. And if I'm ever in physical danger, I will learn how to try and avoid that one. But other than that, you know, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? I become homeless? No, no, probably that I freeze to death if I became homeless. Anyways, that's my example for what a person who's a human love narrative will go around thinking as they move through life and meet teenagers who don't know how to keep their word, who lie to them, who don't show up, and then grown-ups who do the same. And then you learn, oh, wait, shit, attachment and trauma. That's horrible. And so, again, you don't actually have disappointment as you mature your brain. I know I've used personally words as I went through learning about people. And that's through the attachment and trauma informed individuals. So the people who instead want to keep using humans disappoint me, men disappoint me because they don't show up. Women disappoint me because those human beings are the human suffering ones. So they grow up with stereotypes, generalizations, and they keep on uh, doing rumination. And lo and behold, you have a teenager who says, I deserve to be loved. They don't deserve to be loved. And when I was a teenager and my friends would say that, I would say, please don't say that. Jesus teaches us to forgive people for they do not know. And you're talking to me 
about another human being and everyone deserves love. You're just upset because they broke up with you. And my friends didn't like that and, and I didn't care because as a teenager, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm here to support you emotionally. I don't have to support your story. And as a grown-up, the same thing. I'm here to support you emotionally. I don't have to support your story. From attachment and trauma researchers, how they help people to and structural dissociation and to youth prefrontal to feel safe, to get back on track with life and not be torn and basically burnt out by what would be an endless pit of burning out of oneself, which again, people will still do all by themselves when they're in that elephant chest in the room and talking evil shit about people they will have known as they make up, no, they continue their narrative of human suffering and why me, why me, why me? Or how they, either way, it's still a person who's choosing, I'm better than another person, I'm the good person of my story and that is the bad person of my story and now I'm going to make up I had about it and twist it and turn it. And like with Cusco, when uh, Pacha says she's wanting to kill you, Cusco, you're lying. Nope, you're lying because you want me to stay here. I know you do because I'm twisting it because I don't trust anyone in the first place because I don't even know what the fuck trust is because I don't have a good compass because I didn't have an upbringing. In, in Cusco's case, he had permissiveness and he was given everything he wanted so he didn't have the right attachment parental style, which is a third of attunement and then repairing rupture and not giving in to every single demand that your child wants, obviously, because that's going to create a person who does not know how to balance anything because they, they didn't learn it. So, And it's not about you having to yell to your kid or make them not have what they want. No, <laughs> that doesn't work. So when people understand the beneath the surface, they, they understand what we're talking about. Uh, really what it is, is when people are like Pacha. And so they know when they need to have a firm hand and it won't be by insulting. He not once insults him. He talks to him and he gets frustrated when he begins to accuse him. And he's like, you know, whatever. He gets frustrated and he walks away and he's like, I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> but he doesn't do it again in a way that says I'm closing the door. No, he finds himself exactly where Cusco will then realize or he's realized and so on and so forth. So human love, it's very beautiful. And you do grow up into this if you're a person who chose love as a teenager. And that's because you will notice that teenagers are immature for a reason. You were too. I was. And the difference though is for me personally, I didn't say I'm a piece of shit or they're a piece of shit like the teenage boyfriend, whenever things would happen. My sense of worth was never <laughs> in a million years equated because love is free. <laughs> if you want me to work for it, you got the wrong person <laughs> uh, because you either accept me for who I am because I won't change or you don't. And that's where as a 27, 20, no, 25 year old person, when I get told after four years, I thought you would change. My reaction is, did you not know me? Or I think I told that to somebody at, at this point. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, you don't know me at all because I spoke to you very clearly the first time we went out and then next and so on and so forth. And here's where when people know who they are, again, there's no, we don't hide it. We say, here I am, and we don't think of people hiding who they are. When we find out that, again, for me, it was the norm because uh, people just don't know how to say, this is who I am. They don't believe in themselves. It's sad. And thanks to the attachment and trauma-informed people I can share with you, it's because you don't have healthy self-worth. 
and you don't know how to maintain your soothe system. And this is a tone of a three-year-old who says, wow, I've known life my entire life, and they've all said that I have no emotion or I'm hiding emotions, whatever it is, and in the end, all I am is a functional adult, which means I know how to regulate my nervous system and be in meta-awareness, and so I have integration of the brain, which is our mammalian heritage, birthright. All I am is a human 101, and you know what this does to a heart, a heart of a whole self? Because see, part of that heart is like, oh, I'm a little bit bummed out. I'm not special. Because <laughs> that zero one-year-old is like, now I'm just equally the same and no more valuable than any other human being on the face of this planet. And my lifeline, therefore, risks, because our ancestors, again, if you didn't have value and you didn't prove your value, you get, out, you get cut out of the herd. And so once you do realize in your body, we're all the same. There's that heritage of ours oh shit i'm i'm what's the word no and there's actually a saying that i would hear sometimes from my mother nobody's indispensable nobody basically nobody is necessary by force like we can find okay so everyone is dispensable i think that's the way that it's put so once you realize oh, you can be thrown out shit my life's in danger but then if you're grounded you're like no it's not <laughs> i'm not living in the ancient silverback times and I don't need to be worried about once I die because I mean we all know what happens <laughs> yeah we all know we won't know when we die and oh yes when you're mystic <laughs> this is a fun part I know my future <laughs> oh I love my future uh no yes yes actually I do I I have even the continuation of my future so anyways side note as you conclude uh this lovely full moon energy meaning for my lovely regular listeners you're you're finding out so much about yourself. And again, please have compassion for the human suffering love. You don't have to be around them. You don't have to do anything, but just remember the, the nervous system. So remember that you get the opportunity to be human love when you're in the presence of human suffering love narrative people. You get to practice calibrating your actual nervous system because see, this is where when you are in a state of compassion, not in empathy, no, empathy equals burnout from your mirror neurons and some of those lovely signs, people don't believe in mirror neurons. So we can put that in the trash. But when your body is in empathy, it's because you will be relating from your temporal junction. That means you're not engaging in your high, high social functioning brain area of the prefrontal cortex. What can I do? What can I not do? No, in the temporal junction, not only are you relating to that based on their past, your past, your nervous system is calibrating to their nervous system. Because you're like, oh my God, they're in, and you participate in that vibration because you're allowing yourself to empathize, not move into compassion. You need empathy to be compassionate, but you want to move into compassion. Compassion means I wish you well. I am not the same difference. So I appreciate I, Maria, don't have that person. I wish well in my brain as I differentiate, create space, recalibrate into my soothe system because I'm not in my upset mode. You're the one who's sad and your nervous system is in that. I'm here to safe haven, secure you, to help you get out of that distress. I'm going to re-regulate your nervous system and help you move into soothe, feel safe. And I will then give you secure base, a launching pad. Some people don't like that and they will call it emotionless. However, some people will know of you as emotionless, but they will still seek you. What does that mean? It means when teenagers have nowhere else to go 
except to those who are their secure attachment figures, which we will have built in our adolescent years as we're growing up, right? They will go to anyone who will listen to them. And so, lo and behold, the ones who don't resist the quote-unquote emotionless and we're not emotionless, we're just compassionate, we're direct communicators, and we don't draw human love narrative. So they <clears throat> appreciate all of the walks of life. So we all have different walks of life for reasons, and that's why we don't say, oh, that's a karmic. No, we are all in our oversouls participating expansion, the entire humanity, and we don't actually create separation a home that is cozy is welcoming and unites all people and that's why 5d knows how to bring harmony it's because it's a functional adult person it's an emotionally mature meta-aware human being they have the ability to integrate their brain and know i'm not going to pout about somebody who's in a moment of distress i'm not going to pout about somebody who's choosing to stay in their adaptive child it's not my business to tell them how to get out of rumination i'm not their therapist and they don't want one and if they come to me for guidance, I will share whatever guidance comes from tarot, from the Kashik records, which really that one doesn't come with guidance. They're just usually curious about their past lives. And when guidance does come through, they usually have a problem for everything that will have been presented of how they can expand consciousness because they choose to say, no, no, life is suffering. And I can't do that because this is who I am. This is who I am. So they adhere to their childhood trauma personality. And here's the doer, the hostile, the uh, darkness, uh, <clears throat> the are we good, and the ghost. There are only five out of, there's also others. That's from Patrick Tiahan, and I've seen all of these in, in adults. Like I've seen the teenager who's like, wow, I'm going to marry this person. And then in one month's time, two months, three months, it all comes crumbling down, or even in a couple years, they ruined my life. How dare they be a disgusting, horrible human being who plotted against me this entire time. Everything was a lie. Everything, everything. And there you go. What a grown-up knows how to do is to know how to handle when we're thinking that. We know I'm upset. So, of course, I want to feel that everything's a lie. I'm going to allow myself to know instead that what really it is is that I mean no thing nest to another human being because at the very least the land of equanimity is this that if a person's amygdala is not alerted to you as valuable you are no thing nest you are of no value because it's your amygdala that tells you if i am worthy of your time and attention and that's automatic and so it's a truth it's not a sad truth for those of us who have a whole self and healthy self-worth because just because the person that i thought i would marry basically makes me know I'm worthless to them and I'm invisible and that nothing that ever can I don't that they don't quote unquote care they don't give me that higher form of love attention it doesn't mean that I Maria cease to exist healthy self-worth whole people say I'm here I can feel my body right here oh it's okay nervous system we're good we're, we're alive we're breathing and that's why mental and emotional stuff is no hard ache, heartache, or hard to do, because meta-aware people are the people who use their prefrontal cortex. And using your prefrontal cortex is all about you being in a state of compassion physiologically. So when you are able to know that you have been determined, there is a past that comes with you, and that involves your household, 
if there's attachment, traumatization, attachment wounds, if there's neglect, emotional abuse, all these things that do take place, that's going to be a journey for some. And luckily, we have updated trauma experts helping. We have those who will not move into, let me go and get good therapy. And that's because that's a choice. And for now, and I personally think forever, the law is not going to impose, I think, I mean, we don't know, right? But if they impose good therapy, I'm personally not against it, but I don't feel that that's how our world navigates. We always have the land of expansion of consciousness. So here's why the human suffering love narrative, it's still a love story. It's just that they calibrate according to our survival mode. So they don't move out of rumination, which is why it's sad for them, but not for us. They don't move out of being a squirrel from the story or a um, Cusco. They don't move to being a Pacha. And Pacha is an adult, in fact. That's what they show. And that's why it's functional adults. So it's not emotionless, but to a teenager, to a teenager who wants drama, no, they don't want it. To a person who makes up a story, I'm the good person of my story, they're the bad, the simplified version, uh, after a month, two months time, where you envision something three months, two years, okay, independently from how a story goes, the fact is you're still getting to know a person. You need to create a story that there's a villain when you've been heartbroken because you're not able to understand this is the person that you thought would become your secure attachment for the monoamory community. They only have one person that they're going to seek as a secure attachment figure. For polyamory, that's not the case. And if you're a solo poly, again, we love many independently from how we're going to build a life because we know how to self-regulate. Our nervous system, it's not because we're alone. It's because of the way that we're able to harness our life. Every day you wake up joyful. Every day you wake up happy. If you have distress, you know it's distress. You don't exaggerate it. You don't minimize it. You don't say, I love when I get to have a quote-unquote tower moment. You don't say, I don't love it. There's no exaggeration. There's meta-awareness, prefrontal cortex. So every Personally, every one of those lovely experiences before my clairs, with my clairs, there's one thing I consistently knew and learned. And I learned this just with God and Jesus, which is why my way of speaking to God when I still prayed was, please give me the strength. Please support me in my emotional plane. Help me feel that all is going to be well. Help me not be afraid is what it is. Help me stand up to the unknown. And that's actually how you learn to regulate. And I laugh because this is the part where whenever a nervous system is being brought forth, any emotion, we can begin to experience it. I could begin to calibrate into that. So the laugh is to keep me upbeat, get me to, some people think that's a way to pretend. Some people think it's a way to hide feelings. And here's why when you learn about sensory motor, and body language, no, it's um, body sensations, images, all that stuff. You learn that, of course, it's practice to maintain your enlightenment vibration and equanimity. Yeah, it's called you got a brain and a body that is surrounded by human suffering, love people, one. And the reality is every day is unknown. Every day, I, Maria, all by myself, even without anybody, know that I'm dealing with the unknown because that's what 
it is to know the present moment. I don't know the future. And my brain is an anticipatory organ like yours is. The difference is I don't have to have control over it because I accepted a long time ago as a child growing up who would wake up devastated by the idea of death. I still don't like that. That's why I laugh. I laugh. There are moments where I will have recognized I laugh literally so that I don't cry. And, and it's happened before where I'm laughing and crying at the same time. And here it's in the thought. The one time this happened was as my younger sister teased me with my mother there as I forget what we're talking about, but it was basically about the death of my primary caregiver. And I'm laughing and crying. And I know that I'm laughing and crying because it's going to be in the future unbearable. Why? Because it's my secure attachment figure. I mean, it's the most common sense thing. And, and that's why it's beautiful for some of us to understand and experience and perceive mysticism and enlightenment and consciousness. All of it, it's you. I share it with you the human way. Now, I bring to you the human elements. But what I'm trying to completely give you an understanding of is your prefrontal cortex can work only if you want to work with your higher social functioning areas. So if you choose human suffering, you're not going to because you've chosen something different. If you choose human love, you're going to be a person who can lead yourself to become uh, wisdom. And uh, emotionally at peace and at ease, it is not emotionless, but it is emotionless to those who live out their life with a survival mode. And there are other soul age groups for reasons. There's uh, choice points, they're called. It's not, there's some people left, right, path, choice. This is not a right or, you don't choose right or wrong. Uh, it's an actual just choice. You will have part of you determined. And if you keep it human, it'll be your attachment and your trauma stuff. And you can get out of that because you're a verb. You can move into your whole self become reparented, your parent, and then your adult. So adulthood is way nicer than being your parent, by the way. So that's because you can show up and just have fun with other adults. That's uh, one. Uh, when a ideal, perfect partner comes along, and then you realize that they don't feel the same way about you, you don't be like, oh my God, I'm dying. Now I need to go talk about this person in such a way. Uh, you know what's more funny than anything is when I've heard people talk about uh, for example, the uh, thing of don't think of your twin flame. Don't think of them. Uh, uh, you're thinking like people get scared about thinking because of the whole manifestation. So whenever I see 40, I know them because oh, I can't do this. OK, well, I mean, I do get it. <laughs> but really, you get it because I don't think you get what's going on here. And it's not about your left mode. It's actually about your body's energetic vibe, which really is about your nervous system. Do you know how to self-regulate to your soothe system? So do you know how to make it all better without having somebody around? Do you know how to be your own safe haven? That's what the first step to healthy self-worth is because it's the minute that you are of no value to anyone that you're going to be like, oh shit, I don't have worth. Oh wait, I'm still breathing. Okay, cool. <laughs> And then, like I was saying, for the primary caregiver, it's a, a duh. <laughs> of course, I'm going to be upset at my parents. Unless, unless, wait a minute. Okay, so here's, I, I don't mean it in any way, shape, or form to be mean to anyone. But I know that childhood trauma survivors who are going to good therapy will say, you know what? I'm happy that I was out of that house. They were all dysregulated. I had attachment traumatization every single where I turned. Thank goodness I'm out. Oh, and on that note, I want to close with this one. 
So some people will have had the um, clearing away of all that brought them not the ability to be their self. And this is the most beautiful gift that I know some of my loved ones have been given. Not, not the death thing, no. The death thing of their caregivers that has happened to a handful of people, yes. And when I look at that hand, those handful, there's still a group human love narrative, a group human suffering love narrative. That doesn't make it right, meaning, oh, how wonderful. Let's sell. No, it's not a celebration. Never a celebration. Not because, well, I mean, some people might celebrate, and that's the part. If they want to, I understand those who will want to celebrate. If they do it the pacha way, if they do it the squirrel way, no. Or the Cusco way, no. That means we got a shame cycle in the room, and they're wearing a mask, and they don't know it. Okay, so I'm just going to explain that one for a minute because there's a difference when you're expanding your consciousness versus when you are actually using an energy of, I want others to suffer, or I think I'm going to justify that I'm going to get to become a person who has another suffer. So if you justify what is your upset emotion and make an excuse for why it's okay to use it, you're casting a stone. Uh, you're becoming a person who is nowhere near humble at all. And in fact, you are allowing yourself to say, I have a right to determine whether you live or die. I have a right to determine that you are worthy or not. So you're giving yourself the right, which means you think you're superior. So you don't have healthy self-worth. Same thing goes if you squish yourself. That's not going to work either. But I know squishing oneself eventually is going to lead you to become the opposite because uh, once you hit rock bottom in that way, there's nowhere else to, to rise. Equanimity is the more pleasant of all of that. But again, most I would say that uh, I've met so far teenagers that think they're badass by being in their survival mode and they basically have, I'm superhero with my superpowers. I'm going to be cheered on by my group, my culty cults, ethical cults, traditional cults. And we're going to stand like Braveheart and actually continue to justify our mannerisms. Uh, and that's polarization of any type, but it's really them living the human suffering love tale, which is I need to have high and lows because that's the only thing I know because I don't learn to regulate my nervous system to soothe because that's boring. Uh, that would be boring to actually have a life that's simple. Okay, so they're chasing a feeling which is hypervigilance and they're chasing their re-traumatization because they don't realize that their dysregulated nervous system is actually not their mammalian heritage. They believe the reptilian nervous system is the only way they should be and they don't understand that the reason we have that reptilian is to run away from animals, to fight an animal. And our ventral vagal as pointed out by Stephen Porges, and he's still working to empirically prove his data stuff. But the polyvagal theory shares with us that our ventral vagal nervous system came to be once we were starting to settle or for those groups who settle into farming. And so they became a group and they started to be with each other and have safety from the animal kingdom. And that's why, so we were able to sit in stillness is how he explains it and to enjoy each other and to just be at ease. This is why you cannot love a person for real if you can not sit with them forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in your soothe system. 
But that's going to happen only if, one, you have healthy self-worth, so you're okay with being your imperfect self in front of another. And so as you get into discussions and arguments and whatever, you're, it's not a roller coaster. It's not, oh, somebody is right and somebody is wrong. <laughs> no, we're, we're two people. We're having a good time. <laughs> and that's because you have, when you have two pachas, well, pacha, uh, as in, yeah, two pachas or two pacha women or the pacha and the pacha woman, right? So... What I'm trying to say is not, not just pacha. Okay, I think you get that part. So when we have two people <laughs> or more uh, that are able to harness uh, safety with each other and that's because they're safe within their self and they know no one is heartless, that all people are people, that is where you don't have roller coasters, you don't need gloves. Uh, there are areas, of course, because we all will have that unknown uh, but you will either take a leap of faith and allow yourself to see where it goes. And that's why time is the only thing that will reveal to you where it's going to head, which is why the promising I will be there for you forever and always is a lie. I knew that as a kid, no, teenager, young adult, I still say kid because to me, in my 19s and 20s, I was a kid, uh, but I did learn it's a lie. No one can be there for you always. And anybody who would say that, I'll always be there for you. I'd say, no, don't tell me that. Uh, you won't. And eventually I learned how not to share that because they'll say, no, no, I will. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, it's, it's very much um, for those of us who show up fully and completely, we learn how people like to use words. And while for some, it's so important that we actually have to spend time uh, figuring out what we mean with words, and that makes sense. And so when somebody is aware of that, and then they're aware that we don't use words the same, that's why we spend time talking about what we mean. And that's a valuable and beautiful equation. I've done that with plenty of my lovely functional adults. And for those of us who just accept that people use words, and that's it's because we've seen people use words a lot of times and they don't mean any of what they say. Because when you are securely attached, the thing is you're a consistent contingent communicator. You don't go in and out of a person's life. You don't say I love you and not mean it. And you don't actually expect a person to be you. You know you're, you're not. Again, it's not a one pacha pacha. No, it's a pacha with a pacha one, pacha two if I can expand and explain that again. So a meta-aware human being who's using their prefrontal cortex, even as a teenager, will know that Pacha too uh, is not demonic or evil or not deserving of love, uh, that that would only come out of your mouth because you're upset. And if, on the other hand, Pacha too is inconsistent and keeps showing up inconsistently, we learn the pattern. And so we love you how you are. You don't need to change who you are. You're, you are this. That's okay. As long as you're not physically threatening me, I don't have anything to say. And that's what you learn as you grow up. For those who were already meta-aware as teenagers and grew here, you know what I'm talking about. So you have no actual changes going on in your life that you're surprised by because you're, you're good. Because everything has been moving just as you've been planning your entire life. And that's with the knowingness that you don't know everything. And with the fun of it. So you know with fun, I don't know everything. Because you know that fear is there for a reason. But you know, as long as there's no physical 
fear actual thing going on you don't need to live hypervigilant so you learn how to you know calm the anxiety stuff fear stuff all that emotional stuff because again you have healthy self-worth so you launch yourself secure base into things because you're you want to explore life the way you choose it some people do it from home some people do it from you know the forest some people but the point is a pacha one pacha two always have conversations and they don't have insulting matches and they don't do drama and they don't create stories and so um when something after one month, two months, three months, or after years, it can be a bazillion years, doesn't actually match up, even though the reality is it won't be that many years, just FYI, because at a certain point, you know, if you're building a secure attachment relationship, or if you're building a secure connection, just so you know. So we understand when we have in front of us, those who come in and out, they uh, share their pattern because it's always a story and you will also know if they're uh, actually uh, what's the word um, chasing the feeling because they chase in a way that is going to specifically use what their persona what they have grown up as a teenager to think they are and again that's a person who's doing karma so a person who does dharma will notice the karma wheel because every 12 months you're the same. It's actually interesting how the expansion of consciousness works in those 12s. I, I noticed it a long time ago. And that's why right now you have an expanded light body uh, moment that you're enjoying for my, again, expanded 5D individuals. If you are suffering, what I have to share with you is you get to decide how to look at something one, how to understand that the suffering emotion is from your temporal junction and it's something, of course, it's, it's there for a reason, but only you can choose to regulate the nervous system out of suffering. And I'm talking to you right now. I'm not giving you a, uh, anything except for you have an option. Now, if you need help, that's why there's good therapists or good coaches and I'm a mentor, consultant, whatever words you want to use. We have podcast episodes uh, for paid subscribers. If you want specific guidance that way, it's a monthly fee. You can subscribe, ask all the questions. I'll make episodes based on those, and then they're available to the entire IHP community of paid subscribers in the future. But that's one way you can go. Uh, you know, then there's obviously mentorship one-on-one, -on -one, and I plan on creating a masterclass and then having us have group. But long story short. Uh, what I'm explaining to you is you choose if to stay in your temporal junction or not. And if you don't believe it, it's okay. I've had people say, I don't believe it. Okay, I can give you sources, but I'm not going to try and prove it because I'm not in your body and you're meant to navigate life however you feel right for you, not me. So just because I can explain something to you doesn't mean I'm saying I'm right. No, I'm not right. I'm explaining something and actually I'm sharing something. That's the difference. So a person who's a pacha, again, a functional adult, a Zen master, we actually are not even Zen masters because we're not going to tell the non-disciples much. Well, exactly. We, we won't even necessarily address what they're doing when they circulate the compulsive thief. We are going to actually do this. When I see people being heartless to other people who need them not to be heartless, I know I have two groups of people that have attachment wounds and or trauma stuff going on, and they're both equally 
in the human suffering moment of whatever it is that's going on. And that's why there's no better or worse side. They're equally unkind to each other potentially. And actually, what I should say is they're equally low self-esteem and direct communicators and da-da-da. But again, let's put all that to the side. And so when you see what is basically heartless, you as a person who has heart, and you see two human beings or more, And here's why solo poly has relationship anarchy and relationship non-hierarchical because there ain't no way in fucking hell I'm putting anybody on a pedestal or on the floor beneath me and you better not come to me and say I want that person to be above or below because now I know you have low self-esteem, one. So relationship anarchy because how dare you actually quantify a relationship. A relationship is priceless. This is the whole point of relationships and being secure attachment figures, a pacha. I'm trying to, again, hone in with the prefrontal cortex, people who live compassion every day of their life. It's a feminine with their own masculine, by the way. We don't like when we have to do anything that is within a rigidity. We don't do chaos very often. I know for me personally, I did chaos a few times and then with my family primarily, and I learned how to handle the three-year-old. So, That's where we're not actually going to ever say, oh, how wonderful, rigid or chaotic. (laughs) No, because we know we can do better. And that's your prefrontal cortex. And that's because, you know, I can handle my emotional plane. It's my stuff. It's in my body. (laughs) What are you talking about? I don't need to make enough. I don't need to make up an excuse for why I'm reactive. I know I got stressed. I got scared. I got upset. I know that it's going to involve emotions and I know it's going to involve a situation I can present to you the data, the story, the feeling, and then what I would like to see as a functional adult can in any of the relationships, which is why, again, there's no saga or drama. So when we see heartless behavior, we are going to go and help the compulsive thief, that's for sure. There's no shadow of a doubt about it because we know that they're in a shithole of a shithole. They don't even know how shitty of a hole they're in because that's that shame cycle, inner critic, outer critic, drugs, alcohol, food sex, you name it, the, the ways that people stay misaligned. I'm not laughing because it's funny. They isolate and then they do it again. So one, we know that a compulsive thief can be brought out of that and they might end up again doing it. But they are not a lost piece of life because they're a mammal like I am. And as long as I provide them a safe haven, secure base, their lifeline is always available to them and they can engage in their soothe system and if they want that higher functioning area. Now, the story, though, is for them to dismantle and for them to appreciate moments where they feel at ease. Okay, so if a person wants to expand, they will make use of those connections and they will expand. And where they go depends on, again, their soul age group of choice and stuff like that. So when... The non-disciples, because anybody who circulates a compulsive thief automatically, see, we don't need to be a Zen master. I'll be like, what the fuck are they doing? That's just mean. Why are you doing this? And we will have, as teenagers, we all do stupid shit. So I'm not going to say I'm not exempt from it. And that's my one year of shame. Oh, Maria, what, 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 what dumbness were you? But then it was like, well, I was a teenager, so it's fair game. So I gave myself a bit of compassion. Yeah. It's fair game. I am a teenager. And then I also said, okay, that was stupid, though. You do realize, right? Yep. Okay. What would we decide? Maria knows best. Awesome. 
healthy self-worth. That's what it's called. And oh yes, no, we're not going to close our heart up. Why would we take away from life? when they don't know how to love and stand up and be, you know, people who show up and all this, why would I become a lesser version of what I can be, which is a person with a closed heart, because they don't know how to love? That makes no sense. It's a contradiction. (laughs) I'm giving up on love because you don't know how to love? No, I'm going to stand up for love. I'm going to be love, and I'm going to walk love. And that's where a securely attached person, secure attachment figure, a pacha, a Zen master, and any person like lovely Dr. Daniel Siegel and all of the good trauma and attachment therapists and all of those people, they know everything. Just that's why I love having them in my life because there are people who know exactly what it means to be in a planet where we have suffering and that we can do something about it. And that's to present you are lovingly accepted as you are. You do not need to work one day of your life for love. And anything you express in your emotions, don't worry. I got it. I'm going to look at you. You're whole. And if you project, don't worry. I know how to catch it because that's what the Oversoul teaches. I can catch all of it. (laughs) And we will know every step of the way that we're getting to expand to become more of ourselves. which is why we don't exaggerate what we love or what we don't love. Once both ends of those spectrums become visible, we're like, oh, I exaggerated that. Oh, I exaggerated that. Oh, well, I was in the moment. I was not knowing what was going on. I was taken off guard. I was stressed. I was a human. Oh, wow, really? So we just don't use our mouth to say, they're the devil. They're evil. Oh, let me twist this shit. Oh, they're the saint of my... Praise the saint, savior, the prince galloping to come save me. So no... We actually realize that, uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that doesn't work that way, actually, unless they're a, again, mature, emotionally speaking, human being. So on that note, as I keep on sharing, one month, two months, three months, four months, 12 years, 15 years, 20 years, you know, as I said, time, it speaks truths. If I'm gray and old with you, I know the truth. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. It depends. Are we laying in bed where we're both dying? <laughs> we won't know, will we? We won't know. And this is the fun of being in the human love narrative is, well, realistically speaking, a good day starts with coffee. And who's you? Well, myself, first of all. And then if I do have a partner in a bed, maybe, maybe, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll have partners. No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> Some of us don't want that. That's polygamy, not polyamory. So here's the funny. This is, this is funny. Some of us in the polyamory community, for those of you who don't know, we are asexual or gray asexual. So no, we don't want to be with every boy or girl or they in town. No, no. Sometimes this is actually a very, very small, close-knit and sometimes no-knit at all. The asexuals don't have any interest at all in having sex with a person. And they are, though, polyamorous. And you know what I love about that is that a teenager can use that. And I love that because teenagers don't know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to sex, and they want to act like they do. And I remember the teenagers around me. They were all buffoons, all of them. They spread rumors, they did gossip. And when I saw there's this one movie that I, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? And then I was like, yeah, well, never mind. That is what I did see with people, and I did not enjoy it at all because that's exactly what I have to say about the teenagers I met as I became a teenager was, wow. You are all unsafe, all of you. You're all unsafe. But humans that grow up are supposed to be safe. 
But humans that don't grow up, they are just as deviated and distorted as anyone who doesn't learn about how your nervous system affects you and your emotions and how, you know, it's not disgusting, although one can think of it. It's sad when you use the good updated neurobiology, the attachment and trauma information. What it is, is sad because those teenagers that were out of hand and anyone as they grow up, it's a person who didn't get a child-centric environment. Things went down and there is no excuse. That's why the law takes care of it. And that's exactly why we don't need to cast a stone. We know where we're going to go and where we want the law to step in. And my place personally, I want good trauma therapists everywhere. Oh, I want them. I want, I want uh, people that occupy positions. I want them tested. And I don't care if people think that's taking away their freedom. You're a teacher. You get tested. How are you emotionally doing? You want to do politics? Testing you too. You want to be a police? Oh, let's go there, police officers, shall we? Anyone. You, you want to be a nurse? Oh, you want to be a doctor? Let me check in on your ego, because if I got somebody who does not know how to treat another person with love, well, I got, a, I got news. That's what I, Maria, want. I want all of those, I, even me. I'll go, I'll go take a test now. So this is the part of where that's extreme, don't you think? And I'm pretty sure the world will not be that. And I tell you why. And then we close out. What does an adult know about consciousness? I'm talking as a mystic right now with a relationship to the sphere of consciousness and its infinite glory. And it has nothing to do with Luciferian religious shit. No, and not because religion is shit, but because all these people who use their mouths to, ah, it's the apocalypse. And they actually believe it. This is the thing. They're going to keep believing it. So... What happens when you are presented with an equation? One plus one equals two. Okay, great. What happens if you understand everything there is about the embodied brain that I've tried sharing with you throughout this? It's the third part we're going on. I would like to understand if you have understood how your brain works and how you can sit in the middle, whether you like it or not, and how you can understand that consciousness continues to expand this way, but this is where we enter philosophical debate, which is why our neuroscientists, psychologists, all the subject matter experts, they are looking into hard consciousness. It's an endless conversation, like the human condition. That's exactly why I foresee human suffering love narrative peeps, human love narrative peeps. One, because that's what we already have. And two, because I meet people who they don't want to become the adult who can reason and say, you know, One month, two months, three months, 12 years, it's a person. And I got to know them better. That's all that happened. Of course, my emotions matter. I don't need to exaggerate any of them. I don't have to exaggerate when I was deep, madly in love and everything is beautiful. I don't have to exaggerate when I was deep in despair, potentially. I don't need to exaggerate because why do I want to exaggerate? So here's what meta-awareness does when you know your soothe system. You understand the futility of using extreme and exaggerated emotions with things that one, you didn't know how they would go in the first place and with life. And here, my lovely Marcus Aurelius, thank you so much. And I will share with you how Maria got to this space all without any twin flame or flames. Although actually I lie because I had already met at least one of them. That's, uh, that's story, man. I'll never forget when I found out 
something about this story. And I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. I was a mystic. I didn't even know it. Okay, so long story short, I would wake up from sleep so sad, so sad that I was going to die. Because I would wake up from darkness and be like, what if death is this? What if heaven isn't real? They told me about heaven, but I know it's a story. And, you know, so um, I just would cry and cry. And it happened a couple more times. And one time I was starting to read philosophy and I had Marcus Aurelius. And I had this ending of what he says, which is, why worry about something you can't do anything about? And it's better to use your time to build and leave behind what you want to leave behind, you know, so live life, basically. I was like, you know what, you make a lot of sense, because my way of handling my crying was I worry about death, but I can't do anything about it. I won't know until I die. And even when I die, I will still not know. And the emotion was really, really sad. So it was really deep. And I, from that moment forth, I didn't uh, have that anymore. That was an expansion of consciousness moment. Anytime you consume material... It will give you a data point. How you use it, though, and here's where a human love narrative person is always going to expand. Human suffering, love, no. They will give you a problem. They will give you something of suffering-like to say, I stood up and I have all the gold in my heart that is patching up all those cuts and bruises. And, and that's a person who's not in their soothe system. But anyways, that's all they've known. That's uh, familiar. That's their home. And that's the sad part. So it's not a demon. It's not a monster. It's not a karmic. It's not a person that needs to be cut out of your life. It's a human being who was not lovingly accepted. They had to work for love. And they were suppressed in their basic one, two, or three-year-old emotional happiness, four, five, six, seven, eight, by then, they're already basically going to begin to conform. By their adolescent year, they're going to look to their peers. They got a role. And now we have a 15, 16-year-old who has a childhood trauma personality. And that's the hostile, the darkness, the doer, uh, the uh, are we good, and the ghost, and more of them. And then they hear the updated trauma stuff. Ah, oh, we're going soft. What are they talking about? And there you go. So when you see that, you have no words, and that's because this is the right silence. If a person doesn't want to believe in data, they don't have to. That's why we have flat earthers, and that's why people have culty cults, traditional cults, and ethical cults. And that's why they're not a pacha. They will maintain the squirrel attitude, or the Cusco attitude, or even the Yzma or Kronk attitude. And we leave it alone because, again, it's the law that is going to step in. And there is a recalibration of it to ensure our inner and outer well-being. Because the law, for as much as people think that it can get exaggerated, uh, those are the people who don't like regulation, by the way. And that's because they apparently think they can know how to rule the world uh, instead of being objective about the fact that they are not the only ones in town and that they have opinions and that we want uh, right here, our opinions to matter, they don't, you know, they don't always, whatever, there's so much to talk about when it comes to the political sphere, but the conspiracy theorists, they're all over that one, so are the ones who were in the apocalypse, all that good stuff, so people have time to waste in that land, and we have time to use instead in relationship land, allowing yourself to and can she love each other, allowing yourself to be able to participate in each other's lives, and to know healing trauma is not a small feet, but it is a feat that needs to be chosen from the people who own that body. 
and that mind. And if they make up an excuse like the squirrel or Cusco to continue their mannerisms, they will have a group. And Pacha, like he does in the cartoon, he doesn't impose himself. He leaves alone once that grave accusation has been made. And it's because he knows he needs to blow off some steam, get sense knocked into him. I'm going to go spend time with my llamas, do my job, continue my day, my 24 hours. And then if he will need me, he'll know probably where to find me, basically. Okay, so a person who's, it's not a Zen master because a Zen master would be somebody who chooses a specific role. It's a person who cares about people. And so here's why when we see a compulsive thief being surrounded by non-disciples, or we don't care who the fuck you are, we're going to try and step in, one, to get that compulsive thief to know they have a lifeline, so we give them a hand. They take it, that's great. We know that they're on a journey now. Uh, If they become a non-disciple or disciple, we don't give a shit. As long as they're still alive, we help somebody to get out of the shithole versus what they were doing, which was putting their head in the shithole. Okay, and so the non-disciples will get a look which will make them know two things. You don't know how to be a disciple. You don't know how to do life. And it will not be a stare that we will do on purpose, but they will feel ashamed. They will have just been told, you're heartless. And they will know it because they will say, I'm not heartless. And that's the minute where a person can just say, of course not. But the mannerisms of Cusco or the squirrel are heartless. They're actually spiteful to each other. And they say things that are not true. And that's what teenagers, they spread rumors. That's what I saw, teenagers. They they speak out of their mouth. They don't mean anything they say. And once they become adults, the only difference is their age. They still have the same low self-esteem. And in fact, that's why they don't, again, become a pacha. So those people, they will only learn nothing. Because as with the data, if they don't want to move from what they like or don't like, they're going to keep doing their karma wheel. And so whether you're non-disciple or disciple, if you don't want to become a pacha, you won't. If you're a compulsive thief and you don't want to become a pacha, you won't. But the compulsive thief has an opportunity when they meet a pacha, like Cusco did, to change their ways. And that's where healing trauma, it's relational. If a person never meets one, at least one, secure attachment figure in their life, they will not know of what it is like to have a safe haven, so somebody soothe their nervous system when in distress, one, and a secure base person, a person who says, go into the world and and enjoy it, have fun, I want to see you have fun. That's where compersion for a solo polyamory person comes into the mix all the time, not just sometimes. Have fun with your other partners. Have fun with your job. Have fun with whatever you want. I don't own you. You're not my property. Have fun. I trust, even with fear, that you will return if you find me just as enriching mind, heart, and body as I do. And that's it. (laughs) And if they say no in time, we learn to do meta-awareness. No, we do automatically. So this is the heart-love people. These suffering people, they have choice points. Every time their heart gets quote-unquote broken, and I say quote-unquote because, again, I'm a human love. Your, your heart can't break. It's a muscle. Every time you do your survival mode and you go into drama land with teenager and you do rumination, you're getting a choice point to change your story. You're getting a choice point to heal that very trauma that's coming up. You can only heal trauma with compassion because that's when your body, your physiological body, 
enters your human being soothed state. So if you don't learn to self-regulate in moments of distress, you don't learn how to allow yourself to be in your prefrontal cortex, which is why you don't do compassion. You do empathy, but really you're just you know doing a wheel and you're going to shut that door as you use the dark sides of neuroplasticity and commit to your story and twist it like the squirrel in Cusco and continue to twist it. And you'll find people that are Cusco's and the squirrels and Yzma and Croft. And in fact, if you'll notice, actually from the cartoon, the only people who play a game are Yzma, Kronk, Kronk, the squirrel, and Cusco. Pacha does not engage in the drama and in the anything. Uh, he makes some jokes, but that's another story. Uh, so I have extended our episode to a three-part, but it's for good reason. So again, love as a guide is only love when you're in your prefrontal cortex because that's compassion means you are regulated in a safe haven nervous system because you are in your soothe system and you know how to go out into the world, even if there's human suffering love, and say, I'm off to my next adventure. No, I'm off to doing what I do, like Pacha, and I'm going to work with all of the other ones who do like I do, and then we're part of a herd, and it's called humanity. So from the town to the country to all of it, and that's how we are going to for sure keep moving forward thanks to 5D educators. And again, that does not exclude 4D educators. And so we work together because consciousness to expand always has the twos. That's the part. They don't need a name though. And they don't need to involve suffering. But as long as we have the suffering nervous system mode and the soothe system mode and people who don't want to do soothe because it's boring. Again, people use the word boring. Life can't be that simple, and they don't want boring. And I understand that. I've been told it enough by people. So they think of suit system as emotionless, and they think of drama, the survival mode, as emotional. And they don't want to spend enough time in suit system because, see, there is uh, spending time in that before you can actually become used to it. And that's the part of where, how motivated are you to get out of your dysfunctional and dysregulated nervous system pattern? How motivated are you to get out of hypervigilance, out of your story? And because not everybody has, again, a big trauma experience where they know I need an attachment or trauma therapist or enemies, they don't awaken to that. This is the part. They're not motivated to move into soothe system because they don't even believe in it. But even if they did, it's boring doesn't involve all of the cool stuff that teenagers do. So stories are stories, data is data. If you learn about your embodied brain, you'll learn how you optimize only in a suit system, cats or higher social functioning areas. But if it's too boring to be safe and home, well then, we all know, you don't want safe haven, secure base. You don't want a secure attachment lifestyle. You don't want secure connections. You want what is a actual hypervigilant action movie type going on lifestyle. And it will be clear because of what the uh, people who chase a feeling do. Whether they chase towards it as the chaser, which would be the anxious attachment, or the runner, which is the avoidant, and the disorganized does both. That's why they come in and out as a chaser, runner. They don't even know at a certain point. And they actually turn into, you know, uh, let me twist everything. So that's not love. Those people, they chase what is a feeling of a not securely attached 
uh, person and I could go so I could go on and on uh, I was thinking about the forest and animals but you know that's the point they think that's life and they're missing out when they only have 24 hours on building relationships so we like to share with our oversoul safe moments always and that's with all of our lovely human beings out there that we can and again no need for a story, but there will be some who will share it. I hope you enjoyed our lovely expanded, uh, you know, part one, two, and three. And if you have any questions, let me know. Have a good one.